Tom Dolan. Yeah. This is coming at you like Cleopatra. Tom Dolan. He has sent what can only be described as my favourite rugby jersey to me. And that's no offence to all the other rugby jerseys. You've got to save you a free one to compete with it. Crack on. But I mean, <laughs> this is like I say, mid-80s, neath home jersey with a long sleeve Adidas. It's the... It's very. It's the same design as the Flanelli one I keep going on about. It is, but with the huge Maltese cross. Yeah. I've got to try and find this. i got a message. Of, oh, I can't find it now, can I? What was it about? That woman asked me to t- tell her husband to fuck off. It's my special day, Mike. It's Valentine's Day on Sunday, Mike. It's his birthday. <laughs> birthday, like, you know what I mean? Just call him a cunt. I can say happy birthday, like... He does love me a boost. Like. Didn't give a fuck, mate. <laughs> Here we go. I got, I got new... By the way, I got new headphones because um, one of the listeners complained some proper like i think i mentioned it last time some techie nerdy audiophile type oh god is there bleed through yeah talking about my audio bleed that could be me because it depends on how loud they are in your it could just be my shit editing voice don't worry in about your cans well i thought either you're not either you're uh not a patron in which case your opinion means absolutely fuck all to me or you are a patron in which case you pay me money every month and your opinion means fuck all to me good good, good yeah. so uh i wanted to say where's it going a woman called Kerry has, has asked me to, to say happy birthday to her, um, her other, other, other half there. So she went into quite a bit of length, uh, sort of four or five or six paragraphs, or more, eight, nine paragraphs. Wow. From Kerry Haddock, um, talking about how much the husband enjoys the uh, the podcast and all that. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Could, could I say happy birthday to him or tell him to fuck off? Uh, yes, no problem. And didn't tell me his name. So I said, well, I, I'll do it, but you know, maybe tell me his name. So his name is Richard Haddock. So, Dickie Haddock, if you're listening. Rich the fish. Fishy Rich. Fishy Rich. <laughs> fishy Rich Haddock. Uh, from me and from, obviously, from Stefan Ellis. Pembroke Lapis, E.T. Happy birthday. Uh, don't get used to this sort of thing. Um, I mean, I, I just feel obliged to do this. It's what they want, Mike. Is he a patron? Does, does she mention Hang on a minute. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, he often wakes up screaming like, yeah, cuts the chase. Does he pay for it? Everyone's had a hard year this year. Brighten your spirits. Bullshit, bullshit, or blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's had a hard year. Bullshit, bullshit. Sorry for the long message. Uh, wow. Does he pay? Doesn't even mention if he pays. Fishy Rich, do you pay? Nicky Haddock, are you, are, you, are you weighing in or what? If you're not, if, well, I'll tell you what, Rich, as right. is your birthday, even if you don't even if you don't pay the patron, happy birthday. And, and But fuck off. <sighs> and if you do pay the patron, thank you, happy birthday, and fuck off. There we go. Beautiful. Happy? Don't everyone do this now. The thing is, we get... How many downloads you get now? 40,000 odd? Yeah, one person's birth... Oh, God, can you imagine if we did everyone's birthday? Every we divide week? that by 50, because, oh, I mean, we don't do one of these a week. We don't do it every day. I can't do it. Say there were 40 weeks in here, because it makes my maths easier. That'd be... That's a lot. About, it's a thousand. <laughs> I'll do a thousand of these every week. A thousand fuck-offs. <laughs> Especially when some G-list celebrities charge a tenner for this sort of thing. I do it for nothing. Look at the 10 grand a week, mate. You're scoffing at it. Can I ask, Mike? You just shifted in your seat. You did shift. It. I'm wondering the same thing Alice is wondering. We're an absolutely beautiful mid-80s Neath rugby shirt. Adidas, very similar to the Fletley one that I love so much. Mm-hmm. You shifted in your seat. Are you wearing the shorts as well? No, but I'm, I'm wearing... I am, I am wearing wow. shorts. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, flipping. Oh, look at them. Right. They're just black shorts. Distant pod after dark. What an, angle, what an angle that was. In fact, I'll plug these as well. These are iguana shorts. Like their stuff. Yeah, they do some lovely stuff, and they sent me some nice kit. Lee Selby, the boxer, used to wear their stuff. Very nice gear. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of receiving stuff. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a receiver more than a giver. Okay. Yeah. It is better to receive than give to 
misquote the parable. If you're a homosexual, it's up for debate. Yeah, you know, swings and roundabouts. Oh, I think it's a movable feast, isn't it? Then. Yeah, why is someone so dogmatic about it? It's all about giving. It's literally about giving take. It's literally about give and take. You boast into me, mate, that you only ever throw, you don't catch. Well, I think you're a fucking selfish lover in that case. Interesting. Why shouldn't your husband have a bit of fun as well? I'm not saying it's not fun getting penetrated, but... I think it probably is. I think that's the point. Yeah, obviously. But, I mean, it's it's fun penetrating too. I can speak from experience. No, thanks. (laughs) No, sorry. No, no. No, no, no. thank you. No. I will only receive... Yeah, yeah. No, no. No, I didn't mean like that. I just mean... You know, it's nice to put your penis in things, and it's nice to, for things. No, thank you. No, no. <laughs> Gets in the way of hard work and the Bible. You keep your penis to yourself, Michael. Yes. Imagine though, in those days when you just like went upstairs. You probably almost certainly went to bed in your pajamas and your nice God. dress. God, I do you not do that now, yes, Michael? Please. And I imagine you would just sort of got your penis out of your pajamas in the dark on the feather bed. Had a rummage around through the through the mound of fur that was down there. Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> now you are talking. Now you're talking, Michael. Dude, you keep talking, I'm on the vinegar straw. This is the kind of thing we like. <laughs> Different days, isn't it? So the I wanted to say thanks for the for the Denise shirt. Thanks for the iguana shirt. The reason I like it so much, Mike, is that uh, that is the kind of intercourse or sexual congress I understand. It is called missionary for a reason. Didn't you hear about, uh, you know, didn't you hear about Christian uh, reverse cowgirls? Didn't you in the jungle? <laughs> uh, Christian triple <laughs> anal penetration is a, is a nerd off. A nerd off. Oh, my God. Tap. Tap, they call that in the isn't it? T-A-P. It's a, it's a throwback to one of the earlier podcasts for the, for the, the real yeah. fans. There's such a thing as too much of a good thing, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about Razzle in the day. Yes. You know, one bum is good, so three bums must be three times as good. And that, yes. It didn't work. And now somehow Gonzo Porn's gone from one dick up the bum good. Mm-hmm. So imagine how great three dicks up the bum would be. Law of diminishing returns. It's not good, is the answer. <laughs> just a load of dicks. And if you're the bloke in the middle, there's just like... Where's your fun? You're not even touching a fanny. You've just got a dick on either side. I feel sorry for you, Mr. Middle. Yeah, he's having no fun, really, is he? What a tragic little life you lead. <laughs> the middle penis in an example of pornographic <laughs> videos that, I've, that I, I think... I think it's gone too far, if you ask me. One, this yes. ends now. Please turn to page 324 in your hymn sheets. Yeah. Where you should sing, uh, Lord of the God above, all loves excelling. <laughs> Plenty of my congregation have asked me where I draw the line. And it's here. What? Third penis? <laughs> Third penis of anal penetration. That's where your vicar draws the line. Absolutely nothing out of this. In St. Paul's Epistle to the Corinthians. <laughs> yes, one cock. Yes, two cocks. I mean, two's pushing it. Three. I don't get that. The extreme close-up. I don't want to see that. No. You know, well, I like Gonzo porn. I don't see the point of a story. I'm all. I'm. I'm with you. You. You had me. But come on, middle dick bloke. What a tough way to make a living, that is. Imagine that. You, you, what do you do, Dave? I'm in porn. Do you enjoy it? Yeah. Fun's gone out of it for me. I'm hoping to move up, but at the moment, I'm middle dick bloke. <laughs> what genre are you in? I'm in middle dick porn. Um, <laughs> Basically, I get two lads with big dicks to rub the dick on me inside of Fanny, and uh, no one really enjoys it. <laughs> no one watching this enjoying it. No one doing this enjoying it. So what are you putting it on for? There is no fun to be had from this. The good thing is that you can you can work from home. 
is so bloody convenient in this pandemic. We've all been, we've all, we've put a mask on, we've all been tested for several things. I think humanity's lost something, Mike. Well, I'm not I'm recording. Honest. I'll be recording at your end, Steph. Wouldn't want to lose any of that middle dick bloke stuff. <laughs> I was disturbed to find that some of Michael's audio when he was talking about penises was not of the quality that it normally is. No, I just don't. I don't get it. I don't. Um, I, what I was trying to say was thank you for the shirt and the shorts. But what you wound up talking about was gonzo porn. <laughs> it's classic bubbins. Classic bubbins. <laughs> if you like this sort of thing in edited form, you're going to love our live show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Magic. Classic bubbins. Classic. It's, it's bubbins unleashed. Yeah, let's let's plug the live show because people who listen to this. I think Bubbins Unleashed puts people off, Al, on your Twitter, on your, Do you think? your, your pinned post. Who's it going to put off? Well, it's teamwork, isn't it? All due respect to me, no yeah. one is tuning in for Guerrero Unleashed, I can assure you. Guerrero <laughs> Unleashed. You've got, you got some great anecdotes. Guerrero Unleashed. <laughs> <laughs> Even more reserved because he's Gu- petrified. Guerrero will definitely be on Unleashed. Yeah. Self imposed leash. Live unleashed. <laughs> Live yeah, if your Sunday night is not filled with enough, you know, fun, tap then. Yeah. Live unleashed. I hope you like watching a podcast driving third gear. <laughs> <laughs> Middle lane all the way. All right, then I'll, I'll change. I'll change it to live unleashed. We should plug this. Come on, because we got. I want these dickheads to tune in. First of all, yeah, I don't view them as dickheads, but carry on. Well, I'm just saying, if we get all these downloads, and you know, there's no reason why. I mean, I'm assuming, I'm assuming the patrons are going to cough up for it. But to be honest, they're the good guys anyway. It's the other bloody thirty-five thousand dickheads I want. I, I think should put that out of the pocket. Absolutely, sure. it's a one-off. It's what you've been. It's what you guys have been looking for. Is the one-off payment? You don't want to tie yourself in. You're not on higher purchase. No, no, no. Oh no, no, no. You don't want to contribute. You can even oh. pay and you can watch your first five minutes, be disgusted, and walk off. We we got you, buddy. We don't yeah, care. Yeah. It's a bit leashed for my likey. Yeah. This, this is not yeah. for me at all. I'm going to go proper unleashed in the last 10 minutes just to keep people watching. Oh, like <laughs> it. I'm going, to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have an unleashed sign-off. I'm going to say goodbye in the most vile way possible. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to drink for an hour and 55 minutes and really hit my straps on an hour and 56. <laughs> Give out your personal Zoom details at the yeah, end yeah. for Address. anyone who wants to go back for an afters. I'll be like a travelling fighter by the one per hour 56. <laughs> Calling out the listeners, tell them well, where join I me live, bar. Join my me home bar. phone number. I smashed the code in the face in an ashtray, come on. <laughs> I'll fight him in a car park for a fiver. Are you listening to me? tree. <laughs> That's my home address. Come round the house any time, but not in half term. My wife will be here. After half term. Between the hours of nine and three. <laughs> when my kids are in school, they don't want to see in this. <laughs> so, what are you drinking, Steph? Coconut soya milk, milk, is it? Soya milk. Massive. Coconut no, it's water. coconut water. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a complete Absolute cunt. Absolute <laughs> isn't, isn't it full of very positive electrolytes? Oh, I don't know. It was cheaper than water oh, in the shop it. that I just drove through. It was, but it was, actually. But oh, it was on discount. Cheaper, not cheaper than the free water from your tap, though, is it? Very true. Hadn't thought of it that way. Whatever that cost is that much more than the water from your tap. So talking of fine margins, margin, marginal gains, when you were training, Mike, you weren't mm. looking for... Hydration. Hydration, also added... Um, you, you know... Electrolytes, all that bullshit. Added electrolytes, all that kind of stuff. 
All that bullshit. John, it wasn't John Barnes, mate. All you, all you need is a <laughs> cup of coffee in the morning. And, you know, up. What's that mad? Water bottle. What's that mad coffee that, like, bodybuilders drink? Isn't the one with butter? butter in it? Yeah, yeah. What is that? And what, what is the point of putting butter in your coffee? It probably tastes lush. Do you reckon? Do you reckon two things, there's two things I really like. I like butter, I like the, coffee. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they go, though. Yeah. I, I don't it's get like that. I like bangers and mash, and I like salad, but I probably wouldn't have... Well, that Weetabix advert online this week. On oh, that's true, yeah, I like beans and I like Weetabix. Beans and Weetabix, you know. Yeah. It, it's like goes back to razzle. I like bums and beans, but the two yeah. things, not necessarily. No, I wonder if some, someone at Weetabix listens to the pod, and that's where they got the idea from. It's a distant pod tribute throwback. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like Neil Young and sex, but, but I don't want to have sex with Neil Young. Or I to Neil Young. Or over Neil Young. I mean, I just don't. <laughs> Watched by Neil Young. Although, any port in a storm. So, been a while. I think I'd have sex with Neil Young for the anecdote. Yeah, it would be a hell of an anecdote, wouldn't it? It would be a... How would it come about? I'd say to him, I, as, we're, as we're having sex, i say, Neil, I almost saw you once. <laughs> <laughs> tell me someone about Buffalo Springfield and I'll tell you about the Reading Festival. <laughs> Just want you uh, to know that I, uh, I'm doing this oh, for the uh, absolutely cracking anecdote. Oh, Neil! <laughs> Hello, cowgirl in the sand. <laughs> helpless, helpless, helpless. Do you know how do you have a Shaq and Neil Young? How do we get onto? I don't know. I don't know. I think we're trying to promote the live show. Yeah, good old bloody sports podcast. This. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. So dice.fm is where you need to go for oh, yeah, more. Yeah, do that. Dice.fm, eight quid for a ticket. The live stream occurs. At what time, Mike? On what day? Sunday. The? Sunday that... Whatever next Sunday is, 21st? Yes, the 21st, yeah. this is good. The 21st of February. Yeah. In the year of our Lord, 2021. Yes. At 8pm. Beautiful. See, I do listen, mate. Oh. And to recap, it's live unleashed. Yes. Live, yeah. Live, Live restrained. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be. We're going to put an electric tag on Mike. Very, One of those. very restrained. Can I just ask you uh, just an, uh, an add one question about the live show? Why not? People are pointing out that there's a 14 age limit on it, is that? No, it's, it's not. It's not my thing. I didn't oh, put okay. a 14 age limit on it. Okay. But then again, <laughs> do you know what I mean? If if you're the sort of their eight quid is as good as yours, mate. I was going to slag them off. And I was going to say if you, if your if your kids are listening to filth at 14. That's not my fault. About, yeah, exactly. That's just bad parenting. I'm not parenting your kids. No, exactly. You know, it goes back to the you... role models. So we're not role models. No, God no. No. We're, and we're what a relief it is fend. to not be seen as a role model. I occasionally, I, I drink fairly often. I smoke a cigar maybe once or twice a year. Um, I don't do drugs. Uh, I don't gamble. Um, I don't gamble either. Just no interest no. in it. Do you gamble still? No. No, it's never, I've, I've never understood it as a thing. No, neither have I. So like, there, there, are, there are eight horses. Which one's yeah. going to win? I don't fucking know, do I? Yeah, no, and also... Eight of them. And most part, I don't care. On the v- yeah, I don't that's care. another part of it. I couldn't give a shit. On the very, very, very few occasions I've had a flutter at the football, something I know a tiny amount about, as soon as I've handed over my card details and it's gone out of my account, I thought, you idiot, you've lost <clears> that money now. Well, my dad said at a young age, I've never, and it's an old cliche, I've never seen a poor bookie. Like my mate Rabbit over in uh, in Canada, I used to live with, 
Yes, yeah. he loves the actual, He loves the process of gambling. He loves going to casinos. He loves that. That's his thing, right? So where I might spend, you know, a hundred quid on a night out, his night out would be okay. I'll take this money. I'll spend this money in the casino. Yeah, I won't spend more than this. This is all I'll spend. And if I come back, the thing is, you don't come back with more than that because if, if you set yourself a limit to spend, you you'll spend it all, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, that's how spending works. So yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get the old, uh, the old gambling thing. But a lot of people do, obviously. Quite, quite, quite popular, isn't it? <laughs> people are really into it, as it turns out. <laughs> I mean, some people are much too much into it, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. I love those things where it says you know, gamble because obviously the, the government jumped all over the gambling companies. None of them say don't gamble, do they? No, no, it's when it stops being they all fun. Say, they all say, yeah, yeah. When it stops being fun, stop and gamble responsibly, right? Which which so means... Give away your money responsibly. Which means it's usually fun. Yeah, and until it's, usually, it's a disaster. And it's, usually, and it's usually responsible. But is it well, surely, surely when the fun stop, stop means the fun's really yeah. going to fucking stop. Oh, yeah. To me. Imagine, imagine the... As a sentence. The tobacco company skirted the law by saying smoke responsibly. When it stops being fun, stop so smoking. responsibly. Maybe have one or two on a treadmill. <laughs> yeah. Set yourself a limit of no more than 20 smokes yeah. in a day. Maybe have a fag whilst you're swimming. Do a couple of lengths. If you get emphysema, cut down. Yeah, breaststroke, cigarette hanging out your mouth. Is it fun anymore, Mike? No, it's not. I can't no, breathe properly I, I anymore. It, but I need to do it. I'm literally addicted to it. Well, I'll just cut down a bit then. Just stop. The fun stopped, Mike. Stop. That's too not late how now. addiction works. It's too late. Yeah, I'm massively hooked on this. Yeah. When you get addicted, stop. Do you understand what addiction means, you fucking knob? As soon as you get addicted, stop. 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 <laughs> no, no, don't spend any more of that money now. Stop. <laughs> what happened with the drinking? I got addicted to it. Literally, the day I got addicted, I thought, no way am I doing this, and I stopped. Absolutely. <laughs> Right, you're not addicted then. If you want to have a little flutter, have a flutter. That's why, I don't, but I don't do all the, um, I don't do all the fantasy stuff. I enjoy, and we've talked about this at length on this podcast. Well, you know, like fantasy sports and fantasy leagues and fantasy oh league. yeah, yeah. I get asked all the time, but <laughs> thank God for that. I want to go and enjoy. Oh, Harry Harry Kane did four assists today. Yay! It should. Do you support Spurs? No, mm. he's in my fantasy team. It should oh, dear, oh, dear. add to your enjoyment but I find that it oh. takes away from it do you remember that one season when we were working on Feast of Football together where we did it yeah. and everybody had a team and I don't think you changed your team for the whole season no no I kept forgetting yeah <laughs> <laughs> just, just like... I thought it did I thought the only time I regretted that was I thought it looked quite bad that the host of the podcast there were about a thousand people taking part in that fantasy <laughs> league yeah. and at one stage with a, like a week to go, I was 997. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I, I want to come it's my pod, guys. My own podcast, Fantasy League. If you want to pick a team, like the NFL's big on it, right? If it was like in August, before the season starts, yeah. pick, your, pick your best players and your best defence. Uh, at the end of the Super Bowl, when that's over, they'll find out who won the, who won the season. That's fine, because I'll forget about it and then we'll see what happened at the end of it. Right? But not every week, people chopping and changing transfer fees and how much money have you got left and all that bullshit I don't, I don't I, get it I also don't care enough about other teams players who we put off today we put off gamble people are like a gamble yeah they've gone we've <laughs> replaced smokers fans. do you realise the fact that with the three of us doing a sports based podcast yes yeah and yeah. not one like of gambling. us gamble or yeah. do fantasy sports yeah it's quite unusual that said if any fantasy leagues want to sponsor it or betting companies fuck it we're in yeah what I should say so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
When as you become you... addicted, yeah. stop. Yeah. There you go. I can do that. I can do that. Okay? Yeah. If yeah. you want the voiceover, I've got it sorted. Lost your wife and kids. <laughs> Cut back on the gambling. That'd be it. Not stop. Fine. That's you fine. Keep... No, 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 no. This yeah. is a public information film from the socially distant sports bar. <laughs> <laughs> Try to gamble a little bit less. Only gamble what you can afford. When you're living in a shed. They say that as well. Only, only gamble what you can afford. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. I got 40 grand in the house. And I got that bit of an inheritance from my uncle. <laughs> I reckon I can follow about 52 grand on it. I'll have to kill gamble my uncle that. first. It's just a voice that I don't do. Yeah. I do plenty of other voices. It's fine. I understand most of the other voices. But I don't really get gambling. I don't. I just don't see the pleasure. I've been to dog racing, horse racing, been to Vegas, been to Atlantic City. Yeah. Don't get it. I'd love to go to Vegas, but I, I, I would go for the shows. That's what I mean. I enjoyed the experience of being at all of those things. And I've been to the Curra in Ireland for the horse racing, but just for the crack. My mate Sean's 40th was at Bath Raceground. So Kelly and I went. But because we both didn't know really anything about gambling, we would both bet on different horses in the same race. So even on the, on the slim off chance that one of us would have won a race. The other one's lost. The other one's lost that money <laughs> <Yeah>. anyway. <laughs> I've, I've been to the dogs on several stag do's. I've always come away having lost money. And also, because yeah. I'm a bit of a dick, slightly annoyed that I've had to drink a pint of lager out of a plastic glass. Oh, that's the worst, mate, is it? I can't stand it. Although now, because really? of lockdown. Oh, what? Oh, I'd yeah. kill for it. Now. Oh my god. Yes, yeah, so I'm saying now, yeah. If someone said to me, Do you want to go to the rugby tomorrow again, Wales, Scotland, and drink out of a plastic cup all day, I'd bite your hand off. Yes, please. But usually, when there's a choice, I'd rather sit, I'd rather have a glass of beer. I, but I, I, I don't drink out of cans in the house or bottles in the house. Never. No? No. Oh, I do. Love a can. Out of the can. Out of the can, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like to pretend yes. I'm on a train sometimes. No. Well, I think uh, I mean, we must have discussed this. We must have discussed this, but I think that I Gonzo porn in probably. the UK, Gonzo porn the Nazis. Yes, I think I think, yes. I think Welsh can culture. I think we like cans more than any other. I love a can, and more than any other part of Britain. I think. Yeah. Well, all the pubs I used to drink in in Newport when I was young used to serve cans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like the pub, Cotton yeah. Club, TJs, they were all yeah, yeah. You know, out of a can. P- pubs in Swansea serve cans as well. Can of red stripe. Enjoy your night. I do like a can of red stripe. But out yeah. of a glass. <laughs> Fresh out the tin. <laughs> I don't drink can I don't drink cans in the house anymore. Not since really not since I was much younger. Bottles of lager now. Just, you know, I'm bloody forty for crying out loud. Let Bajo Savon. Let's have some standards here, please. Bajo Savon. Is that a Welsh Cuban boxer? Yeah, yeah. Bajo Savon the boxer. Seventeen <laughs> record of seventeen and two. <laughs> Fifteen KOs. I was in your neck of the woods this week, Mike. Mine. I was Where? yeah, yeah. Barry? I was in Barry. Go on, son. I um, I'm making a documentary about the history of Welsh football. Yeah. And we were filming in Cardiff. We filmed at Jenna Park. And I was at uh Jenna Park, home Come of off. the uh Mighty Barry Town United. So we were filming in Jennifer Park, and I was thinking, I think the cameraman pointed it out. I can't, apart from maybe TNS, I can't think of any other ground in Wales that has seen more Champions League football than Barry, than Jennifer. Yeah, hell of a shout. They played, they had Porto down there, Aberdeen, yeah, um, yeah. Dynamo Kiev. Because yeah. there are two stands in there at Jennifer Park, but for those big games in the Champions League, they would put up temporary stands on the banks. Yes. Yeah. 
You're sort of grown, mate, too. Yeah. The, the only is the, is the old is the old clubhouse at the back of the pitch still there? I think the so. The only problem with uh, Jenner Park is the athletics track. I yeah. don't like a football ground with an Do athletics track. No, unless it's on the continent when it just looks cool for some reason. But in the yeah. in the UK. <laughs> Although I've got, I've got fond memories of Jenner Park. I went to Jenner Park a couple of times with Carmarthen in the 90s. Well, my, my granddad remembers when that was a there was a dog track. I think I, there might have been Speedway there as well back in the day. Well, I, I um, Gary, the cameraman, loves football so much. He always has a ball with him in his van. And we were... Is that why? Are you sure that's why, yeah? <laughs> no, no. no cameras. He loves listener. handcuffs and football. He's, oh, <laughs> He's a listener to this podcast. Leather gear and football. But we, uh, one of the interviewees... Were there's originals, one, footballs. <laughs> one of the interviewees was late. Right. And it was, um, it was minus one, real feel, minus eight in Bali that day. It was absolutely nobbling, boys. Yeah, yeah, it was nippy. And we had, so we had a kickabout. Um, we had a kickabout on the Jenner Park pitch. What what oh. day was that? For about half an hour, it was on Thursday. We got told off by someone who's affiliated to the club, and I felt about thirteen. Sorry, guys, I know you're doing it to keep warm and all that. I'm not blaming you, not having a go and everything, but you know, you're not, you're not, you haven't, you haven't got the right footwear on and all of that. Sorry, sorry, guys, sorry. I, I graced that pitch and the. Um... Baron District final. I've seen the videos. One of the funniest funniest things I've ever seen. You do not play youth sport in the spirit in which there's no no (laughs) Corinthian spirit to you playing. Now, now, and also, I've I've not seen a video of you playing rugby at that age, but if you were a Corinthian rugby player... Um, you haven't brought any of that spirit over to the football pitch because you kick, you no. kick a block up the ass and look absolutely yeah. furious about it. It's great. Yeah, I'm not even a yellow card for that. No, I want to claim the thing. Do you know what you do? I, I basically intimidate the referee as well. It was brilliant. I must have been giggling in Cardiff and I was staying with you and we watched that video. <laughs> Oh, I sound like a real fucking. Weird no, 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 come no. back, come back to my house to stay no, over, Al. Yeah. I'll play you videos of me no, playing football when I was eight. It's like it's like 1988. Put your clothes you're, on, Mike. And you're about 15 or something. Budge up, budge up. You're about 15, and it's 1988, and you play yeah. football with hate. There is a constant look of hate in your eyes. Oh yeah, I was angry. It's fucking hilarious. You don't enjoy a second of it. Yeah, I enjoy. We won that game three one, so I enjoyed the result. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I was at Jenner Park and Avenido FC. So what's that going to be? What's it for? It's going to be on BBC Wales, and at the moment it will go out before the Euros. Oh, nice! So um, yeah, so I did some. We did some last summer, so we're just um, finishing off now. And uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a tr- I'm going up to Leeds next week. Going to interview Terry Orrith and Bryn Law. Going to oh, interview okay. Johnny Owen. Um, got up to Wrexham as well. Mickey Thomas, going to interview Mickey Thomas. That's going to oh, be super. That's going to oh, be a right laugh. He will love you. Yeah, we'll get on. Ve- oh, you'll get on with Mickey. Very I'd love well. to meet him. Do you reckon? I just Mickey's just loves everything about. It. He's like a, he's like your favourite puppy dog. He is just so much fun to be oh, around. Oh, great! I, pl- I played eleven aside football in a charity game with Mickey. And I don't know why, but he was convinced that I was good at football before we started. Yeah. So he just started, he just spent the entire game passing it to me, just running you know, around other people to get the ball to me. Going, go on then, Steph. I was like, I'm fucking shit. You used to play for United. What are you yeah. doing? Yeah, considering he played for United and Chelsea and Wales. 
Yeah. Was he absolutely I brilliant? I suppose he, he, he in, was in his late fifties. Fantastic. Yeah, but he was still fantastic. He's fit, mind Mickey. Yeah, exactly. He's, but also hilarious. His book is insane. It is brilliant. Yeah. That's absolutely brilliant. Have you done that as your book choice? I haven't. Oh, no. Okay. No. No. What's my book choice this week? Isn't it? I haven't picked a book yet. Oh God. I'll pick Mickey Thomas. <laughs> Google it now. Can we talk about it now. <laughs> what's your favourite? What's your favourite bit of it? <laughs> See if it's the same as mine. And then at the yeah. end of the pod, just go. So I've got this choice today, and just recount everything that we've said at the yeah. start. I think I'm right in saying that. Um... <laughs> yeah. So if I was going to say, Mike. I think I mentioned this as well in the past. I'm like an old man now. In fact, yeah. I, I, I even remember saying. Yeah. I think I've mentioned this in the past. In the past. So this is this is hang on. So this is the third time you've told this anecdote. No, but I remember saying that. I remember saying I might have said this in the past. In the past. You remember apologising for something you've repeated already. So have right. First, first of all, Go on. have you told the story? I don't know. Right. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Did you tell it when you apologised? I don't know. Wow. Go on, hit, hit us with the story. Fuck the it. point being, I, I, yeah. I, 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 if anything, I've bigged it up too much now. Well, but just links into Alice's story. Yeah. When they had the uh, the big the big season a couple of years ago, I think centenary maybe a couple of seasons ago. The uh, Forza Barry um, people they put yeah. together a really nice program. Oh yeah. And I'm on the cover. I'm on the cover of the program. It's Barry Legends, oh, isn't it? As, as, as a famous son of Barry. Simon is Price really? is on the cover as well. And I haven't got I haven't journalist. got a copy of that. So if you listen to this and you're from Barry, you know Barry United, Barry Tony United, could I please have a copy or just if you if you've got it. Just do a really nice quality scan of the cover for me and send me the scan. I just, I just want to put it up in my bar. Cause there, there's loads of people on there. Great people on there. Fred West, all, all the big ones. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't think Fred West is on it. He <laughs> <laughs> didn't make the cut. But he is, he's scattered he's, in Barry, isn't he? He's scattered in Barry. Yeah, his, his ashes are scattered off Barry Island. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. I, Did you not know that? I can't believe no. I'm asking this. We are talking about the same Fred West. <laughs> that is the same Fred. Can you right, imagine? Fred, no, right, true no, story. No. Fred West. Different Fred West. No, Fred, Fred West of Lumpy Patio fame, right? <laughs> <laughs> Blue chip killer, second rate builder. Um, yeah. Fred West. He's a regular, he's from the West Country. And he said that his only sort of pleasant memories of childhood, because surprise, surprise, being a unhinged serial killer he had a, not the best upbringing yeah it wasn't it wasn't all um, sweetness not fond and, memories of youth it wasn't all sweetness and light growing up for him what are the chances his only sort of happy memory was going to Barry Island as a kid when he died and was cremated he'd asked his ashes to be scattered and off the basically off the beach in Barry so which, which beach Whitmore Bay the main beach really so, yeah. so another one of Mike's lovely stories so, <laughs> so if you ever want to the next time I'm building ever, like, a kicking a of... tea for the kids out of the sand there, all I'm going to think about is serial Mike's killer Fred West. lovely stories. Mike's lovely stories. You can go for a swim in, in the sea and you know that you know there's a bit of Fred in there. So that is a true story. But he's, wow. I don't think he's on the, the programme. He's not the one I He didn't have a testimony or anything. Oh, oh, my goodness. So what I was trying to say was one pound of it goes to Doddy Weir's foundation. Yeah, yeah. Good, uh, great, great course. <laughs> I, th- I think you know. I think that sort of yeah. sums it up. You can watch it for two days after the stream goes. That's the like, thing people are saying, "Well, I'm, I'm babysitting that. I'm, night. Well, I'm busy. Fine. Watch it the next night. Yeah. That's fine." And they say, "Well, yeah, but I, 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 it won't be fresh. It'll be fresh to you. Just don't listen to anyone else talking about it in the meantime." But they'll say it about it on social media. Don't go on it. Yeah, don't go on. Yeah, don't go on social media for a day. Social media right. will be a blaze. 
I'll be really rampant. Distance sports bar live and leashed. We've got to call it live and leashed. <laughs> We've got to call it that. What happened? Not much, to be honest. Just the three of us packing the hobnobs. There was a lot of chat about sports. Well, yeah, they reined it right in. <laughs> really pulled it in. Mike did some pretty dry stuff about rugby. I'll do some dry stuff about football. And then Stefan just did some dry stuff about boxing statistics. And then it was the end of it. It wasn't really what I was expecting, if I'm honest. 20-minute show. Can you imagine if we dry up? We're doing all these four-hour records and then it just goes wrong live. The three of us would have to dry up at the same time. Yeah. All of us. Hitting we're, a rough patch. We've done nearly 50. Well, with the movie shows... We've done fifty shows plus. Okay, so we've 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 waffled on for over, well over two hundred hours. That's eight days solid. If I started talking now, <laughs> eight days, I'd still be talking a week tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no sleep. <laughs> yeah, straight through. Like some sort of like endurance one of those, test. Like one of those fucking losers who's never had a leg over on Guinness Book of Records. Pogo stick for a month or something. No, no, no. When in, they do in, those in um, shag. like co- comic relief. Mike's, Mike's doing 48 hours live on the radio. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah. Telethons and what they call them? It would just be great. Because you hear them go... Simon Mayo did one once. You could he hear did. him go slowly mad. I vividly remember. I've talked to Simon Mayo about that. Yeah, you could hear him start. He, around he, about the time when he was on with John yeah, Peel, he, he starts like to lose it. Yeah, he did like 55 hours or something on the radio. Something like that, yeah. Imagine the shit that'd be coming out of your mouth after oh. 50 hours of being awake. Because Simon <laughs> Mayo was, was mid-morning, wasn't oh. he, at the time? Yeah, he was. I remember, yeah, yeah, him, yeah. I remember him going on John Peel and saying, I can never play songs like this on my show. I'm like, of course you don't. Because no. it's half past 10 in the morning and John's playing German yeah, techno. You're on the drive time. <laughs> And then the police ones are this much. Can I go to bed? Can I go to bed, John? I want to go to. I want to go to bed. I don't know why people do that sort of thing. Well, we'll we'll talk about that. Funny enough, in the documentary later. But you know, a throw ahead. Yeah, throw ahead. That's a throw ahead. That's, that's a teaser. That's a teaser. Oh, to to endurance events coming up later in distant part. <laughs> sport. <laughs> some some sport. Some semblance of order. <laughs> a bit of sport. <laughs> Right, first round of clips, please, gentlemen. Ellis, you get to go first this week. Oh, this made me nostalgic for a sport I've never seen and have never played. <laughs> um, I was reading about Pembrokeshire because they, they now think that Stonehenge was originally built in Pembrokeshire and was standing there for a few hundred years, 400 years, they think, Whoa, and then moved really? over to Stonehenge, yeah, yeah. over to Salisbury Your Plain. ancestors play in there then, Mike? I mentioned on Twitter that my nan used to play the regular away game. <laughs> but I think, weren't your family, if you go back far enough from Pembrokeshire, then they moved to South East Wales? St David's, yeah. So, yeah, they, you, 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 they brought the stones with them. Have I could have had, they could have been playing against Stonehenge on both sides of my family. Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? So I've, uh, I was born in Pembrokeshire, and, uh, and then I saw this on Facebook from Tidiro in the Welsh Comedians. Uh, archive show Tidder's TV flashback. He finds some great stuff on there, doesn't he? Oh yeah, I, I do like. I don't know who they've got doing their archive, but yeah, it's some oh, tremendous amazing. stuff. But this is another one of those crazy medieval games that was banned because too many people died, uh, and has been brought back. It's Knapp Van. <laughs> 
Roedd y rheole cymaint ag un o yr un peth. Does dim hawl cicio'r bêl ac fe sgorio'r pwynt trwy daro'r postyn. Dim rhaid cael yr un nifer yn y ddau dim, a mae hawl da unrhyw un i'n un o'r chwarae ar unrhyw adeg yn ystod y gêm. Cyffan, I'd, I'd, heard, I'd heard the name before I realised what it was, because there's a quite a famous, now long-running folk and rock festival in Fostrasol, in Ceredigion, called Clapan, which was the first time I saw the Super Free Animals was they were headlining Clapan. So it was a very big gig, certainly when I was younger, on the you know, Welsh language sort of rock scene. And someone told me at the time, I think, that it was based on on a very, very primitive version of uh, rugby, but obviously that, you know, I'd never seen it played. But they were playing it. I think this clip is from the 80s. Definitely dated down there, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks like it should be yeah, the yeah. 80s. The, hair, the haircuts were any time between the 80s and now. But it's, uh, it's a load of farmers in North Pembrokeshire. Uh, knocking seven bells out of each other. And, so good. Um, it must be... It looks like it's on the news, because I think it's Alan Lenny, the journalist, um, who was on the S4C News throughout the 80s and 90s. So I think it's Alan. And um, what a great job. He's been sent down to <laughs> North Pembroke to cover some nutcase farmers playing a no-holds-barred game that doesn't have any rules at all. It used to be played with a wooden ball. What I like about that game, though... It's when you see those sort of traditional town football games. We've we've seen it before, like the Oopies and the Downies and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, you know, this scene because it's outdoors and it's in Pembrokeshire, and there's a lot of space there. You can actually get a run going, and there is like yes. throwing the ball and catching the ball, and it's a, it looks more like sport than when you see ten thousand people outside Superdrug. Get a squashed against a roller shutter. That's not. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. Actually, I hadn't thought of that and. <laughs> Alan says, you know, the, the rules, not that there are many. And then he there's can't a, kick the ball. There's a little interview and he says, you know, there aren't that many rules to remember. And the person in the interview says, well, actually, if you've played a lot of rugby, it's actually hard because obviously in rugby you're not allowed to do forward passes, but there's, that's not a problem in this game. So you get that drilled out of you at school mm, or, yeah. you know, your club when you're playing youth rugby. And then suddenly once a year you're able to do a, um, a, a forward pass. Obviously... Some children get knocked over, which is a lot of fun. That's one of the funniest bits. Of <laughs> very good. When you see blokes being very competitive, yeah. You know, you see like it when you're at a picnic in like Cosmeston Lakes. Yeah. Yes. And there's, yeah, there's yeah. a bloke who's been drinking too much Strongbow. Yes. And you're like him a football with your son and his mates. I'm, I'm going to say a bloke, I mean me. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Let's be more specific. Let's narrow this down. No, but you, you end up getting into it, and you don't mean to hurt kids, but they just sort of bounce off you because they're kids. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of kids in here trying to attack on that one fella with a moustache. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's like, it's like watching, I don't know, it's like watching Walter Payton back in the day. And they, they all talk <laughs> about um, trice and clatchon, clatchen, which are the Welsh words for uh, violence and being punched or being hit. Talking to those blokes who get um, over competitive. I was at a birthday party once in Scotton Manor in Pembrokeshire, which is a kind of country park. I was one of the older kids and there was a, dad obviously bought a rugby balls, there was a mass game of rugby. But because I was one of the older children I'd sidestepped three or four younger kids and I was off and I was going to score, you know, in my, what in my head it was going to be like a hundred metres sort of race to the line and I was going to score and I was, I, you know, obviously when you're eight you're much faster than five year olds yeah. so I broke the line, I thought this is it and uh, one of the dads who was playing rugby for Haverford <laughs> yes. West 
he saw this, and I must have run like 40 or 50 metres, and he put his hot dog down because it was a barbecue, and he ran and caught me up and ankle-tapped me <laughs> like a metre from the line. Floods of tears, all the parents pissing themselves. The dads all loved it. Although it, if, you, if you weren't held, if it was just an ankle tap. It was an ankle tap, yeah. You could have carried on. You could have kept you going. It forward, yeah, but I mean, it was... It was got to retain it was, possession. It was quite a forceful ankle tap. And I was eight and he was 36. <laughs> <laughs> What's your dad do? I'd have punched him right in the I ear. Think I think dad found it funny, actually. Well, fair play. Well, that's the other option. I would have punched him and they all laughed. <laughs> I think he laughed. But I remember thinking, come on, mate. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You've got a fucking mortgage and a job. It's, it's not my fault. You're playing, the, you playing the front row for the West Rugby Club. It's not my fault. He never had a shag. Yeah. So all I wanted to do was score a try. Why, why did you do that? Great response from an eight-year-old. Just get up and go, fuck off, you virgin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. Just got to go, you sad twat. Yeah. And I, I remember off. having all... Not being able to express them properly, but I remember all those feelings thinking, you fucking prick. Why, why yeah. would you do this? <laughs> I wish you'd called him a fucking you prick. Fucking right? prick, so man. good. I know it was. If my, I would laugh my cock off. I think <laughs> bring him up now. <laughs> yeah. Big, and it was like a proper ankle yeah. tap. So I fell over. Just kept go. You fucking prick. <laughs> you fucking yeah, and then hang up. Just ring him up you tomorrow and do that. Fucking sad kiss. I think it'd be good for you. Be cathartic. Put them all the families. You sad cunt. <laughs> just walk off. Just, just hang up. <laughs> <laughs> Mam really would be you. able to get in touch with him. Definitely. I mean, this this is this is thirty three or thirty four years ago now. Getting nested and just swear on the phone with him. Yeah, oh, that'd be great. He's been dwelling on it since the eighties, and he just like, needs to get it out. Like you sound just like your mother. He'd like to call him sad cunt. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is <laughs> your mum like you? Does she does she swear that immediately apologise? <laughs> no, no. I can't imagine your mother swearing. No, I remember she. She's too nice. Little swear. When she dropped a casserole dish on her feet, on her toes, mid nineties. Oh yeah, but you mean like Yessie Grist or something, was it? She wanted to go down. She wanted to go down to look at a wedding, to watch a wedding, uh, a, a chapel, and then Dad took me, and then didn't take her, and then she was very miffed it's when very, she came home. Very Welsh way, that <laughs> it is, isn't it? There's a wedding going on in the local chapel. Yeah, they're absolutely smashing stereotypes there. Go on. <laughs> And we all wanted to go down and have a look at the bride. I've been invited. No, I just had a, want to watch. Like Dad a... was shearing sheep and mum had been asked to go to the chapel. <laughs> I'd, had, I'd had a piano lesson or something. Dad said, should we go down and have a look? And oh, I was like, yeah, fuck right, off. Then. And then when we drove back, Dad said, yeah, I saw them. And mum was like, I would have loved to have seen that. And then a swear word. You prick. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, mum, not, not a big swearer. My mother used to say shit all the time. It's hilarious. Did she? One of the first words. I reckon one of the first words I ever said would have been that. Yeah, she goes, shit. Yeah, she, she, she said shit perfectly, my mother. Shit. Perfectly. Shit. And she'd say, piss off. She wouldn't, she wouldn't say, piss off. Oh, she wow. Go, she'd go, piss off. Nice. She didn't want to say the word piss. I like that. Yeah, she'd just take the eye out. Yeah. If you take, I suppose, take the vowel out of any swear word, it becomes, hmm. you know, fuck off. 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 You fucking cunt. You wunker. I'm swearing Hebrew. What am I swearing in Hebrew for? You wunker. Oh, proper Old Testament swearing. No vowels anyway. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. This. This guy. This. This. Let it go. Rugby Al. player. Leave it. I'll leave him. You've been dwelling on this young, for five he minutes. Was younger than, We've all had he was a drink. Younger than my parents. He's probably in his early sixties. I'm gonna. Kick find, him when I'm he's gonna, down I'm this. gonna find him. Don't even tell him you know. 
And then next time you Donny Carmarthen, just ankle tap him in the high street. <laughs> yeah, it's like definitely. You, yeah. you know why? You know why that was? What are you doing, mate? Just go, just just go. Nineteen eighty-eight yeah. and walk off. Yeah, Sultan yeah. Scotland Manor. Do you remember? Scotland Manor. Nineteen eighty-eight. I'm so sorry. Off. I mean, I've regretted that for thirty-three years. <laughs> Hey, go back to Knapp, man. It's just, I, I mean, that's a game I, I'd enjoy every year of that. Of course you would. No, but it looked good fun. It didn't look like... It, it did look good. It yeah, didn't it look did. brutal. And they, they were rules. You're not supposed to kick. I tell you what's nice. You're not supposed to kick the ball. There's, that's one rule. You've got to touch it on a post. There's two rules. And he said, there's, obviously, there's no referee. But he said, we make all the boys promise before they play that they won't punch and kick each other. It's a gentleman's agreement. The game, the game is started by the local MP to show how respectable it is. Oh, that was brilliant, that one. Yeah. What, what engenders respect? Members of Parliament. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what be. If I was in Barry, it'd be... It'd be Alan Keynes. Alan Keynes. At the bottom out, of a ruck. He wouldn't get out there alive, Alan Keynes. Alan, you start with the ball. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Odd thing for an MP to go and watch a lot of local... Farmers knocking <laughs> the seven mate, shades of shit. I think don't watch anything if it gets them a vote. If you refuse to engage with the farmers in that part of Wales, mate, you're not yes, getting elected. That's true. If you, if, you, if you don't like farming japes, then fake it for four years because you're not going to get in otherwise. But they, they now play with a leather ball as opposed to a very hard wooden ball. Yeah, a wooden ball. Ouch. When Rollerball was, was big, the film, then comics, like I mentioned when we did the Rollerball uh, movie club ages ago. 2008 comic brought in all these sports that all revo- all were like similar versions of that. Okay. So there was Inferno, there was Aero Ball, there were all these sort of futuristic sports. They always had that steel ball that they have in um, in Rollerball. So Knapphan was almost like a proto-Rollerball, really. A medieval Rollerball. Oh, great, man. But in Crummich. So there, what's that? Is it the Lanskill line? I don't know. We're not going to go too, yes. too deep into this. So the northern because it would be very Welsh. North Pembrokeshire is, is yeah largely very very Welsh speaking. And South would have been okay. cricket and, and, and like well, South, and stuff. South Pembrokeshire is it's just a big linguistic difference. It's got this it was colonised by the Flemish I think in the okay. 11th century because the Flemish were known as good colonisers. So there would have been an indigenous population there, but no one knows. Good colonisers. But no one knows knows what happened to them. So South Pembrokeshire, a.k.a. England beyond Wales, the place names sound English and there's no real yeah. history of Welsh I think being I'm, spoken there, unlike every other part of Wales. I'm pretty sure Peter Crouch made this last week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I find the landscape absolutely fascinating because it hasn't, yeah, it hasn't moved. Because the villages that were English-speaking... In oh, the fourteen fifty, are still English speaking. The villages that were Welsh speaking in fourteen are still Welsh speaking. There are genetic differences, quite large genetic differences in the populations. Yeah, extra fingers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very good nap and players. He's got twelve fingers. <laughs> good crap and player. You get hold of that football. But I mean, if that's still going, I'd like a game of that. There we go. That's a game we could play. Get down there and play. Have a game of nap and I'd like that. Oh, Couldn't get a Welsh cap. Nice. Though, could you? You could only no, really represent. I don't know. We'd be the best ones yeah, at it. You could be. But who would you play? You'd have to represent your county in a. In a right. Go and speak to bloody the world champions of American football or baseball. There's somewhere in rural Carmarthenshire where they play a version of Coit that's different to the other versions, and the person who wins there regards themselves yes. as a world champion. If that's still tr- if that's still the case at Distant Pod, let us know. I'm trying to. Think, oh, where is that? 
Although I imagine the Venn diagram of, of Kamal, the Jokic champion, and podcast listener. No, no, no. There'd be overlap. someone from around there who I'd like to hope they're distinct circles. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not asking for the... For the, for the <laughs> I'd like plenty of... Plenty of space between those two. A guy from Lana Baver who thinks he's World Kites champion to get in touch. Not the official one. The splinter, the splinter version, the WBO. (laughs) The ICO, the WCO, WCA. Champion in recess. Intercontinental. Go on then, Mike, what's your clip for this round? Just only a very short one that was on, uh, I think it was on a Facebook clip recently. Um, So this is a golf tournament in the States where some... I, I imagine some scientific bods had constructed a. <laughs> had const- some scientific bods had constructed a golf <laughs> robot, uh, and this is the golf robot on a par three, with a perfect swing, obviously, and uh, with a big crowd there. And golf robot tees the ball well, they gets the ball teed up for for it. It's it looks like a, like an eight iron, and uh, yeah, two three three bounces later, it's in it's in the hole. So this is this is a robot golfer scoring a hole in one at, at a golf event in the US. How about this? Yesterday, a robot taking a swipe at this, David. And what else would you expect here at the Waste Management Phoenix Open? Really, that robot is called Eldrick. How's this? And both Eldricks have done that at 16. About <laughs> that? Only here could that happen. The only thing missing from the scene yesterday was. The beer cans and the cups flying like last year with Francesco Molinari on Saturday when he had. A- I'm always reminded of Gary Player. When I think with Gary Player, he had a, he had a load of holding ones in his career. They're still playing, obviously. Mm-hmm. And someone said to Gary, "The ones you know, wasn't that you had that that lucky holding one." He went, "Well, I was aiming for the hole." <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's great. You know, that's where I was aiming for it, and then it went away. Yeah. That's very good. <laughs> You know, so this is a got so that, this has obviously been programmed to hit the ball towards that flag, and, yes. and that's what happened, right? So that's what. Yes. So with any sort of um, closed loop sport in skill, like a golf swing with a with a static ball, what you're trying to do is replicate that perfect swing, and it's all about getting the same swing, same swing. So if you're a robot mm. and it's been programmed to hit it with a certain amount of power, a certain swing, mm. should that not happen every time? Then well, you have got undulations on the on the on the. If that was a perfectly smooth, that's what I mean. Put in surface. If it's to swing in exactly the same way, would the ball not land in exactly the same place every time, and therefore yeah, roll in every time? Coriolis effect, Steph, isn't it? I mean, once, uh, is it? I well, because if the ball landed exactly what, the same spot twice, yeah, it wouldn't be exactly the same spot. The second time, a ball's landed on it, so it would be slightly flatter. The, the grass would be slightly different. Would it? Yeah, well, of course it would. If it was a perfectly flat, perfectly hard, perfectly uniform putting surface, yeah, then that. Would like your pitch and putt. Yeah, like like the pitch and putt in in, um, in yeah. New Brighton, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Then that ball would go in the hole every time, but you know yeah. that doesn't because the the, okay. the greens made of grass. There's cross winds. It's outdoors. There's all sorts of variables. All wind, it? yeah, there's all wind. It's one for the science pods. Yeah, get in, if you're if you're a boffin, you know, <laughs> yeah. get in touch. What struck me with this is, is secondly, then is how shit the robot looks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, cause I always mentioned sci-fi. Like, I loved sci-fi as a kid, and I love sci-fi now. When you see real robots, they're always shit. And I thought by now it'd be like iRobot. I thought, yeah, yeah. Like a, when they said a robot that's... golfer, I imagine like Will Smith with blue eyes. Yes, that's true. It's like a, it's, it's like, like a, a shit version of Johnny Five. It's just like a saucepan on a, on like a, on a big track. 
Like a, a robot vacuum cleaner, which you can buy now. I said, if I'm going to buy that, looks looks awful. Just this round thing that you imagine doesn't pick up much, and you've got to keep emptying it. I mean, a robot vacuum cleaner should be, he turns up, or it turns up. Yeah. Little apron on. Hoovers your house, empties empties itself out, you know, hoovers the rest of it, puts itself away. See you next week, Mike. <laughs> yeah, take care. Out. Cheers, Terry. Terry the robot. Yeah, Terry, yeah. Terry the cleaning robot. <laughs> All the best. God bless. Take care. Turn up. Because 2000 years as a kid, there was always robots. They're always, you know, I'm Walter. Try me. They, they, I'm going to call me Kenneth. They, they were always humanoid robots, right? I'm Walter. Try me. Yeah, well, Judge Dredd's serving robot was called Walter the Walter the robot, and I think it was it came out around the time of I'm Mandy. Fly me. So okay. on the front of Walter was like I'm I'm Walter. Try me. There's that theory, isn't there, that the close, the more closely a robot resembles uncanny alley, a human, the more disgusting. We find them. Not so much disgusting as, as unsettling. Yes, yes. And it's when they look almost human is when it's most unsettling. If they look completely human, not a problem. Right. When they look almost human, it's unsettling. Well, it's the, what's the, the Honda one that looks more and more brilliant every time you see it? And there's the stuff that they do, the Boston Dynamics, the stuff they send into war now looks freaky. Some of the stuff they got, it's amazing. I mean, I'm fascinated by androids and robots and, and artificial Do you know what it stuff. reminded me of? It reminded what? me of Deep Blue, the IBM oh, yeah, yeah, uh, chess-playing supercomputer. Gary Kasparov. beat Gary Kasparov, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it, it seems absurd now. That was 1997. It was tremendously controversial, the fact that probably the greatest chess player of all time could be beaten by a robot. Newsweek, they, they put Deep Blue on the, on the front cover the week that the the big game happened, because he'd played robots in the eighties and had always hammered them. Metal Mickey, the, Tweaky. And, but the the head the headline <laughs> the headline <laughs> of Newsweek was the brain's last stand because he said he up. said he was he was repre- he was playing for human pride. It was like oh once once we've lost once once Gary Kasparov has left we're in, we're in big trouble. Shit, we are screwed. What's the end game of this then? Not the not the chess man taking over the world. The the golf guy. Well, what was funny about it was the number of people getting their ass in their hand, saying, "What's the point of this though? What's that proving?" And someone said, "Oh, no, oh another nail in the coffin of sport." I was like, Mate, "Just this, wow! There's just scientists trying to show something interesting. No one's suggesting you're going to turn up and watch, you know, the the, the, the robot golf the, the open in 2074. And there's no humans playing." <laughs> Right. Just watching a load just of humans. Everyone's getting hole in one, just like watching fucking Kim Jong Un for eighteen holes. <laughs> Everyone gets eighteen hole in ones, and the playoff lo- the playoff lasts forever. Kim Jong Un beating a robot. <laughs> Send the robot over to North Korea to beat him. <laughs> yeah. How did the World War Three start? Funny question. Uh, well, <laughs> robot golf. <laughs> there are certain sports would lend themselves to robot snooker. Darts. Any closed loop? Oh yes, yeah. snooker. What's closed loop mean? Sorry. Right. So a closed loop skill would be a skill where there's only really the one variable is, is tends to be you. So okay. If right. I pick a dart up, the dart board's not moving. Yes. The only thing you know. So table tennis is not a closed loop because you're returning a serve from somebody else. Yeah. That, that, it'll vary all the time. Your response varies. Whereas something like darts or to a lesser extent, you know, javelin or shot put or there's plenty. Yeah. I mean, Okay. Robot no. shot put, it's, just throwing it three yeah. miles. <laughs> <laughs> Gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out, out of the stadium. Wow! Yeah. Guy with his tape measure. And you've got to yeah. top his piss tank up for the test afterwards. 
<laughs> I'll tell you what it would destroy. What? The gambling industry. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't be happy, would they? Big gamble. I think the robot will win. Really? Yeah. Doesn't get tired, doesn't get stressed, doesn't feel pressure. It's not approaching the game in an emotional sense. Well, think of the great players in certain sports who are accused of like robotic behavior. Well, that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. If you're, Pete Steve, if you're Steve Davis, you're trying to take all the variables out of it. It's like when Pete Sampras would serve and everyone would go, oh, he's just too powerful oh, at yeah. serving. Yeah. Yeah. He's really. But yeah. Monotonous, that's isn't the it? the best one yes. to be powerful yeah. at. <laughs> yeah. He's good at tennis. That's what tennis <laughs> yeah. is. He just won. Yeah. God, Messi's good at making the ball do what he wants. <laughs> it's a bit boring, isn't it? The way he's got complete mastery oh. of the football. I love the theory that we're all living in a in a in a computer simulation. And who's to say that's wrong, you know what I mean? I mean it they is. Made some very odd choices if we're living in a computer simulation. Yeah. Well, this is the whole point though, have they though? Why why invent diarrhea? Because maybe they wanted people to think, you know, how can we make this look like it's not a program. This is going to look really real. We'll throw <laughs> let's in, make this. Let's we'll, make this come out of their we'll ass really fast. We'll throw in loads of weird stuff that people would say. Oh, if this is a computer program, this wouldn't be in here. Well, that's what the best oh, like program, programs do. They make yeah. shit. You think why, why is that? We'll, in there? we'll make piss, but come out of their bums every now and then. <laughs> yeah. Every now and then, brown yeah. piss. Yeah. Yeah. So, They'll blame it on food. It's the future, man. <laughs> there was a great battle once in, uh, in one of the. This, uh, in, when did you say once? Well, in 2008 mm. again, it was this... Uh, so a fictional battle. It was like... Um, I can't remember it exactly, but I remember it was like, what was like a Roman centurion was fighting this sort of... Uh, I think he was like an African warrior. And he wondered where this was going. At the end of the thing, he's, he's won again, right? And then as he tries to walk off, he hits this yeah. like plexiglass, almost like the Truman Show, but this would have been in the 70s, though, early 80s. Yeah. And it turns out that he's, he's just in a computer game. He's just in this like arcade game being played by these two aliens. And that the whole of human experience was just. Um, you okay, Mike? Yeah, I think I've been ticking to my last I'll tell you what it fucking is, shall I? I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> right, I, and I said to Kelly, I'm going to drop you in the ship for this later. Some robots have given me diarrhea. Well, my wife asked, do you know why? <laughs> Go on. Genuinely now, right? So I, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I hadn't eaten much today. I hadn't eaten enough, really. Um, uh-huh. So Kelly came home and she said, uh, What do you want for dinner? I said, Well, I've got the podcast later. I said, um, I tell you what, in the freezer is one of those Weight Watchers, like a prawn sort of tagliatelle, right? 400 calories, lovely. I'll have, I'll have one of those, right? Yeah. But we haven't got a microwave because I've never, I don't believe yeah. in them, yeah. right? I always look at the, the cooking instructions on stuff, right? Because that's yeah. what you're supposed that's to do. That's how you right? cook them, yeah. yeah. So it's in the oven there, and I can see, like, the wrapper, the, the plastic wrapper. That goes oh. on, the one that's supposed to be there is, is on the counter, right? I go, um... You've taken you've taken the the foil off the top cow. Yeah. yeah, no, it's all right. I said no. You're supposed to leave that one for this one. It's, 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 it just says you, you pierce the thing, but leave it on. Then no, no, that's for a microwave. I said no, no, that's the microwave instructions are different. I said this says oven. Look, it says oven. Oh, don't worry about that. I said no, it just it probably means it's supposed to cook in the steam as well. That's all. That's that's. Oh well, just put put um. I'm not making this up, right? She said, yeah. don't you dare say this. She went, oh. Well, just put like a one of the like a green bag on top of on 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 top of it. What the fuck? I said, "What you mean, like a recycling bag?" <laughs> yeah, just put a bag on it. <laughs> I said, "What the oven?" She went, "Oh no, yeah, no, not a green bag. You know, one of the one of the food waste bags. You know what I mean? One of those." I said, "You can't just put any bit of plastic on top of it, Cal. It'll melt." She said, well, well, that's made of plastic. Yes, but this plastic's designed to be in an oven. She she wanted me to put a fucking recycling bag over my, oh my over the tag in the oven at two hundred Celsius. 
So in the end, I was like, is my, is my food ready yet? She said, no, it's still not warm. I said, it's not warm because there's no lid on it. I wasn't trying to be ungrateful. I mean. But I think, going back to why I'm hallucinating about robots, I think. Yeah. I think I've had a raw prawn. <laughs> they had to make that announcement at Woodstock, didn't they? There were some, uh, there were some <laughs> yeah. bad prawns, guys. <laughs> some of you are going to be tripping on some bad prawns here. Be careful, okay? <laughs> So can I just, if you listen to this, don't put a recycling bin bag yeah. in your oven. Yeah. Not any plastic will do. So sorry, Cal, if you listen. Well, you will be listening to this on a Tuesday when you're doing your hair and stuff. You listen to this. Sorry, Cal. I'm not having a go. Steph says hi. Ella says no. I, uh... I'm, I'm sorry for leaving it in. He made me. <laughs> yeah. He phones me up while I'm editing and says, you leave that in now. Whatever you do, leave it in. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's put a plastic bag from a food caddy onto a prawn. <laughs> Be careful out there, guys. <laughs> what would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song. I will try not to sing out of key. Used to be on the, on the Wonder Years. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Right, my clip for this round is uh, something I haven't seen before. Something that kind of spent my whole career trying to find out information about. But I've never seen anything like this. And I wonder if you'll ever see anything like this again, really. This is Dan James getting incredibly close to signing for Leeds United. And this is part of the uh, documentary series they filmed around Leeds that's on uh, Amazon Prime. There is now only one hour of the transfer window remaining. To save time, Dan James begins signing some of the paperwork in his new Leeds United contract. Perfect. Well done. Thank you. Congratulations. No, still not. Still not. We'll wait. We have one more document to sign. We're just waiting for that. You don't need to do that yet. Finally, Angus hears back from Swansea. It's not good news. The boardroom problems at the Welsh club means Leeds are struggling to get the deal over the line. To get... Well, I, I, I don't understand how this exists in the world. I don't understand how this is allowed to be shown to me, but I love it. Oh, it's incredible so, in terms of access. Yeah. Because the Feast of Football podcast, we discussed mm. this at length for several shows for weeks because we couldn't believe it had happened. He's there. He's signing papers... He signed all of the stuff he can sign. Signed all yeah, the ones so he's, papers. he's signed to play for Leeds. He's had a photo taken with his squad number, yeah. ready to go up on social media. And then the bit where um, the Spanish guy, was it Victor Orta, is sort of shutting the doors and no longer sort of talking directly to the cameras anymore. You go, oh, hang on, hang on. Well, Dan, Dan James was playing for the Swans and he was that season, he was our best player. And he was probably our most um, valuable player, other than McBurney, yeah. who actually went for more, I think. So, you know, I was watching with the, with because because everyone in football, everyone in the world knew that the Swans were skint. We, you know, we had this very valuable youngster. We were obviously going to sell at one at some point, and but I was desperate for him not to go because we were doing quite well, and it was the January window. So you think, just bloody wait, just wait six months and do it then, because, you know, we could have made the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. 
So it was reported as a done deal on Sky, and then who just yeah. switched his phone off? Who our Jenkins, our chairman, which was his parting shot because he left the Swans. The club was then taken over by the Americans, and you know that was it. So who Jenkins had been Turn our chairman since the early two thousands, and yeah, he just turned yeah. his phone off so the deal couldn't happen. So... And then that was that. You think how could that that can't be how it worked? That couldn't be how it worked if you were buying a house. The other guy's turned his phone off. We can't do the transaction. I, Come on. i tell you where that happened. Cool. After the election, was it in 2017, when the Tories had to go into a coalition with the DUP? The reason the DUP got such an amazing deal, apparently, was that they just turned their phone off. So, so by, the, by, the time, by the time Theresa May eventually got through, she was like, you can't. You can have what you want. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. To Arlene Foster. Oh. Yeah, she just she just switched turned her phone on to airplane. <laughs> I'd like a billion pounds, please. Fine. <laughs> Thank you for picking up. Forty eight oh. answer phone messages, Teresa. <laughs> Teresa may try and explain why she's excommunicated to the Pope. <laughs> what a what a bargaining uh, tool though. Just turning your phone off. I was watching that and I couldn't really work out. Because I'm not au fait with it. What was going on? I, and, I, and then I thought, I didn't know any of the background of this. So I watched yeah. it thinking, okay, I get it. He's, he's, he's going to Leeds as, as, a, as a trade. It's, it's the transfer window. Yeah. I thought that, I, I, But I thought that it must have been, when they say in the last minute, it must get done in the end, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So I'm watching it thinking, oh, it didn't get done. But yeah. in my mind, I'm thinking of things like draft day. You know, when you watch the Kevin Costa film or the NFL draft, when it was all, it's a super slick operation and they can't get a phone call. They can't, the fella, how how weird does he feel? But also that agent, how much money is he, has that agent just missed out on? It was, it was quite weird watching it because in January 2019, when this happened, as a Swansea supporter, I wanted Dan to be really sad and for him to not want to leave the club and for him to think... Yes. We can build something really special. Graham Potter was the manager then, but oh, you know, my sort of my heart is in Swansea, all that kind of stuff. He was desperate to go to Leeds. You can tell. He clearly is excited because they're a bigger club. Ellen Road's a great ground. You mm. know, Bielsa is one of the most exciting managers in football. He's obviously, 100%. and also that it was really sold as Daniel James is the final. He is the missing piece of the jigsaw. That was a big thing. Yeah. Now the the thing I find extraordinary about this is that it didn't affect his form in the slightest. He scored an absolutely incredible goal against Brentford. Scored for Wales on his day, which was two weeks later. He scored a goal on his debut for Wales against Slovakia, which was about a month later, a month and a half later. He was fun- He was actually better in the second half of the season after all of this stuff had happened. He developed as a player, his end product improved. He was a better player. And then he ended up going to Man United. I mean, that, that is the thing I will never get over. So we, we discussed this on Feast of Football at the time, and I thought, well, that's it now. He's, he's going to be furious at the club. He's going to be furious at the board. Um, he's going to be angry that this hasn't happened, and his head will drop and he will, he'll stop playing. He was superb in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was absolutely exceptional for us. So, But to, to actually see it... But the other thing that's amazing about deadline day is how often it goes wrong for stupid reasons David De Gea Real Madrid were trying to buy David De Gea from Man United yes and the facts arrived too late and that's it yeah 
In 2005 or 2006, the Finnish player, um, was it, what was his name? Shefty Kuki, was that his name? He was meant to sign for Crystal Palace and he was at Blackburn. And Palace, yeah. because all football transfers were done on with, fa- with faxes until very, yeah. very recently, to the last couple of years, Palace faxed the contract to a chip shop in Blackburn by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you, you run the Codfather in Blackburn. What's this? Next you're on a match of the day. <laughs> but it made me think, what if Hugh Jenkins hadn't have turned his phone off and he was just out of battery? Or yeah. he was out of data. Or in Swansea, where I've been. Lots yeah, or he's in Swansea. Yeah, I was going to say, or he went slightly further west from Swansea. <laughs> he was in the kitchen, not the front room. Yeah, he was Yeah, he was, down, he was, he was on the beach. He was done. So, such a weird... Oh, oh it's coming. Thanks, love. This be lovely, thank you. I was just saying, the, thanks, for the, thanks for dinner as well. <laughs> Take care. Thanks, mate. <laughs> I just texted her. Any chance you bring me a coffee? She said, have you been slagging me out? <laughs> I went a bit, yeah. Yes, and she, yes, yes, I have. Yes, she brought it out anyway. God bless her. She's poisoned it. But, oh, taste of burnt plastic. <laughs> <laughs> but so many players, that kind of thing happens to them, and then they're like, "All right, then, I'm on a go slow now." You wonder whether Hugh, because Hugh Jenkins, I think he was a, he was a real sort of players' boss, wasn't he? I mean, he was certainly popular for a long time. Not by the, I mean, not with the supporters yeah. by the end. Even if you are a liked owner. You're not gonna be liked by the time. Well, we used to sing no. "We Love Our Chairman." We love our chairman. We love our chairman. To like Cardiff City fans and stuff, because it was we still loved who and the boards when when yeah. Cardiff were doing the rebrand under Vincent Tan and all that Brilliant. kind of stuff. The City fans just should have gone. Yeah, well done. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Fair play. Yeah. Nice one. <laughs> Cheers, boys. <laughs> Take care. Love to Wine Street. Love to the reflex bar. Yeah, I remember, I remember watching Carmarthen Town play at Richmond Park. And there was about, I don't know, 300 people there. And we went 1-0 down and I tried to start singing Sack the Board. Everyone's <laughs> 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 doing it on a voluntary basis. One of them is my geography teacher, another one is my friend's dad. <laughs> the crowd is entirely made up of the board. Absolutely. <laughs> The poor's relatives. Get Steve out. Get yeah. Steve out. Yeah. Sack the birds. Sack the birds. Sack the birds. Sack Uncle Keith. You greedy Sack bastards. Get out of our club. Get out of our club. Get out of our club. You greedy bastards. Get out of our club. Good luck in a fade. Whatever. It's just me, my friend Hill. <laughs> Christ, I bark window. Welcome to Richmond Park, come on then. <laughs> we welcome our visitors, Kair Sous, to Richmond Park this afternoon. Wagger, wagger, wagger. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my mum watching Match of the Day back in the day, thinking they were chanting the referees are plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so sweet. I said, that's not it, man. This ain't one. The referees are plonker. <laughs> No, oh, um, yeah. it's not Roy the Rovers, man. That's really good. <laughs> plonker, 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 plonker. <laughs> plonker. 
it's documentary time. Uh, Ellis, it was your choice this week. This is a kind of documentary. We used to do a lot of these at the start of the first lockdown. We've moved into more moving territory over the last few months, but this is just a classic portrayal of utter, utter nutters. It's inspired to ride on Amazon Prime. The Trans-America bike race is a race from one side of the US to the other. It's taking it to the next level, and a level that the majority of people, even professional racers, might not actually ever participate in. This is just for the crazies. Realize how much extra time looking after yourself takes getting water, food, make sure your bikes are clean. Everybody is given 110%, wherever their 110% is. It's riding your bike and then riding a bit more and then some more. I just got a text, two words bad crash. Flesh wounds you can patch up, fractures, that's probably the end of the race. This is a tough ride. Everybody else saying it's easy? <laughs> yeah, it's hot, it's windy, it's tough. I really do not know what day it is. I think it might be Thursday. I'm not in the mood to deal with this right now. So inspired to ride, it came out about six years ago, and it's cyclists from all over the world. Um, quite a few from the UK, follow the Trans-America Trail in the Trans-Am bike race. So it's from the east coast to the west coast of America. Uh, it's 4,233 miles. So you go through 10 states. It's a transcontinental uh, race. But it's also um, unsupported, so you don't have... Uh, a car alongside you and um, with, you know, offering you bottles of water and stuff. It's just all of the stuff you need on the back of your bike. And Mike Hall, the guy who wins it, um, does it in about 18 days, I think it is. What they put themselves through is absolutely astonishing. I like riding my bike. I don't think... I would like to ride my bike for 72 hours straight without sleeping, which is what some of them do. And it's a really oh. well-made documentary. So they it, it focuses on seven or eight, basically seven or eight other people who come in the top ten. So my caller goes on to win it, who was... Um, he's actually... He's, he's died very sadly, but he was, he was the, the best yeah. at this. So they cover um, him and the guy who comes second, a, um, a Canadian man who decides to do the whole thing on a sort of liquid diet. He doesn't. He doesn't want to eat mm. food at all because he thinks it slows That's him it. down. What's he call it? Not whiz. He calls it something else. It's not whiz. He has got a massive bags of speed on him. <laughs> but he posts them, doesn't he? To yeah, post yeah. offices and picks them up on the way through because he can't carry it all. But it's 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 powder that he puts in his bottles of water and it sustains him. I mean, yeah, the idea yeah. of doing that for Mad almost bastard. 20 days is just crazy. There's a, there's a bit there with um, one of the other British cyclists 
who says, you know, how's it going? He said, well, yeah, yeah the, the saddle sores. My, my saddle sores have got saddle sores. Yeah, yeah. He said, I was riding, I was, at one point, yes, I was riding, and the blood was just pouring down my shorts. <laughs> I thought, God, that I'd stop at that point. <laughs> it's quite an interesting dynamic of the people who do this kind of thing. So, uh, Juliana, who's the highest placed woman, right at the start, she says, for the people who do the Giro d'Italia or, or, or the Tour de France, you know, or any of those big road races and they've got big support teams and they're looked after. That's five-star cycling. Yeah. You know, which made me think, yep, yes, please. There's none of that. All of the stuff I need is on my bike and it's just me versus the road. It's brilliantly filmed, but as a, as a strange sort of subplot to the documentary, she's Italian and there are these two Italian men, two Italian friends who very quickly realise that Juliana's going quicker than they are, and they just cannot accept losing to a woman. So when they do eventually catch up with her, they catch up with her at certain points, and they always accuse her of doping. They say, you're cheating. They say, you're cheating. Well, I'm I'm not trying to be a misogynistic bloke here, right? That's not the sort of person I am. Because she had such a a massive sense of humour failure, and obviously... She she touches on her. Her sister committed suicide, and she's obviously had a very damaged childhood. Right, I haven't gone into it, but it, she was raised in a cult. Wasn't it, it? Yeah, it, it, I mean, it sounds. I can only imagine what it was, but it it was. It sounded pretty grim, right? Yeah. Obviously, there's bits when she said about those Italian fellas. Said, um, they're convinced I've got a camper van. They may just be pulling your leg. Is there something I'd say to somebody? You know. Oh, you must have a bloody Yeah, I don't know. They don't come across very well in it, I don't think. I think they do look very, very aggrieved to be losing well, they to might a woman. Be. She also looks like she, she she wouldn't really take a joke particularly well. No, I mean, the extraordinary thing about her is on day one, she goes over the handlebars and breaks her ribs and does yeah. the whole thing yeah. doped up on ibuprofen. Well, she'd never ridden a bike before until she rode a bike around the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, Jesus that's a, that's a hell of an extreme decision. <laughs> Took us six months. I, I, I watched this right at the start of lockdown. It was going to be one of the first documentaries I chose, and I never got around to it. I'm watching it again, and we're now a year into the pandemic with our freedoms having been curtailed. And it made me really want to go on an, on an adventure not yeah. that I could commit to cycling from one course yeah. of America to the other. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> do you mind doing? Do you mind doing bedtime? Uh, no. no, no. <laughs> do you mind doing bedtime every day for the next sort of three it's months? June. I just love the scenery. It makes America look absolutely oh. spectacular. And I think that's what sets it apart. I was reminded a lot of the Barkley Marathons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same sort of people entering it. The same sort of. It's all intrinsic. It's all about finishing it for yourself. You know, there's no crowds there. There's no big money in it. So it's very much like that, but with the added bonus that you get to see 4,000 miles of America. Oh, yeah. And all yeah. the different... The, the, it's beautifully, beautifully shot. But zero big cities. Zero yeah, yeah. big towns. No, exactly. Just, you know, the route is there's set that trans, out so that... Trans... Whatever it's called. Trans-American cycleway, basically. If, for some reason, I cannot imagine... A set of circumstances where this would be where this could happen. But if I had to cycle from the east coast to the west coast, <laughs> or the west coast to the east coast, I should say, I wouldn't want to camp as well. Well, there's the guy who's been bitten by mosquitoes yeah. sleeping out. I tell you but, what, what oh, I, I found mate. really uplifting about this. All right, 
I, I loved it. Was you hear a lot of bad things about America? It was in the news a lot for a lot of bad reasons, you know. And and once you get outside of news reports, people are people, right? It doesn't matter where you go. So I was thinking, this is going on, and it's been going on for years, right? The people in that race who were sleeping on park benches, on picnic tables, on sides of roads, were breaking down in the middle of nowhere. And it was just people trying to help them out. Yeah, yeah. M- making food for them, giving them lifts, put them in the car, just giving them money. Chains. So yeah, Juliana's eating a sandwich, yeah. and a lady goes up to her and says, I know that you're cycling across America. I know you're going to need money, so please take this so that you can eat. It, it's very countercultural. Mm. Yeah. It's very underground. But the, that old hippie's great. The one fellow was in his sixties, you know. Yeah, yeah. But the, isn't he great? But the, his mantra, his mantra on his handlebars. But, but um, yes, love him. What I think is slightly—it's not inconsistent. It's almost like counterintuitive—is the people who come in the first three are ultra competitive. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's this countercultural underground thing where it's like, yeah, I'm just going to cycle and support it from one course of America to the other. But I really want to fucking win, and, yeah. and I, I'm, I, yeah. I won't sleep for two that weeks. Blows your mind that bit, doesn't it? What sort of race when you got like a six-hour lead, and that's not that might not be enough. That's yeah. not yeah, the sort exactly. of race if I want to be. If in. You sleep for too long, you might ruin it. Oh, there's that one bit when Mike Hall has we lived in Cardiff. Get, yeah, well, I, I recognise those streets. I knew where he was riding when he showed the bit. You could see the bridge over in Roth and stuff. And he talks about he's he's, he's had some sleep. He's got his head down, right? He managed to get a bit of sleep, and he's feeling a bit refreshed. I've never seen a bloke look less refreshed. <laughs> yeah, I thought that. I his, eye, his eyes, his yeah. eyes, are like. I mean, they're, they're looked, not even they're not even pistols in the snow. He looked like he'd been stung on the eye, both eyelids by bees <laughs> he, for about two he weeks. Looked, he looked like he'd never slept ever, yeah. <laughs> and he'd just been stung <laughs> constantly since birth. Mike, have you been boiled? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, I feel feeling quite refreshed. I've had a yeah. bit of sleep. Like, yes, Jesus I, Christ! I, I, I slept for an hour on a on a park bench, and I got stung <laughs> yeah. by mosquitoes. But I, I feel really good now, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do another two hundred miles. But I just wanted to end. Jesus Christ, Mike! I wanted to ask you, Mike, uh, Steph, because you've done in these kind of endurance things. Not this guy, but, the, but yeah. The, but the people in the front. So Mike Hall and Jason, the Canadian, who just has a liquid diet for th- three weeks. Amazing, yeah. They've got so little stuff on the bike. Yeah, but if you're going to stop off and eat on the way... Any, cause, How do you, you stay know, warm, Steph? I was thinking, where's your big sleeping bag? You haven't got room for that in there. Yeah, they haven't got a well, tent. But you'd just bivvy, wouldn't you? You'd have like a sheet and a... Like oh, a God, like a ground horrible. sheet, <laughs> foil sheet. Oh fuck that! No. Do you know what? When I was doing a thing called the Unexplainers with Eggsy, we used to go to some far flung places, right? Yeah. And we went up up, this, up in Snowdonia once, uh, looking for the Welsh Bigfoot, right? The Grey King. <laughs> Didn't find him. Um, Surprising. And we slept, night, <laughs> we slept the night in a boffy. <laughs> we slept the night in a boffy. Which is well above the tree line or whatever else, right? There's just stone boffy next to a reservoir where some US fighter plane had crashed in the war, right? Just the middle of fucking nowhere. In a, sto- a stone room half the size of this bar that I'm sat in now. No electricity, no nothing, right? And we slept on the floor. Snowing outside. Slept on a stone floor in a sleeping bag. Yes, yeah, I'm sure. It was the most miserable experience yeah, of my life. horrible. You woke up in the morning, and I, th- I just I, I remember thinking, I wish I hadn't slept at all. I wish I hadn't had that 45 minutes of sleep. I think there is a big part of that when they're saying, um, 
I'm just going to keep going for the next 24 hours. Because if the sleep isn't worth doing, mm. I think there is a big part of just have as much caffeine as you can yeah, and keep going. But, but, the, 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 but the thought that, that then doing that and then riding 300 miles a day, with saddle yeah. yes. and doing that for another two weeks, and also wouldn't enter my mind. Like I didn't sleep the other night. But I'd slept the night before and I slept the night after, so I was, I'm fine. It's doing that <laughs> for three weeks. That kind yeah. of, well, I'll just cycle through then. You is is impossible. Yeah. As, as someone whose son is a terrible, or was a terrible, terrible sleeper, you're just a mess if... if yeah. If it, if it, you just, and and when my son was a bad sleeper, I wasn't cycling three hundred miles a day through, through I mean? Kansas. But Juliana's not looking after a kid, is she? Or Mike Hall's not looking after her? They're just on a bike. You can just, you can just yeah. be on a. If that's all you're doing, you're not going to work. You're not stressing because you've got a deadline to hit. Funny. You've just at some point got to get to the other side of America. I was thinking about how I, how I could do it in a way that was sustainable and enjoyable. Hotels, camper van. Yeah, absolutely. Well, definitely Fly. hotels. Fly. But it's... Fly. <laughs> Takes about four and a half hours. <laughs> Be part of the camera crew in their van. But it's 4,233 miles. Cycling around London, I've done 35 miles and not noticed. If you extrapolate from that... It's doable. 50 to 100 miles is easy a day. But at the end of the day, I would want to, to lie in a bed... And not yeah. on a park bench. I'm sure you can do it like bag. that. I'm sure there's ways to do it. But it just takes so long. You're I mean, never going to be more than a hundred miles from somewhere to sleep. But if it's a if it's a hundred miles, then that's going to take you, you know, yeah. forty five days. Say, there's a German lady who does it in forty six. Which they spoke uh, to that woman yeah. early on in that documentary. Quite poignant, really, because she said she was doing it for you know um, mm. Martin Luther King, wasn't it? She's yeah, some, some Aussie. That's woman. right. Yeah. Well, she appeared to be wearing just the dress she she she'd woken up in. Like, yeah, like yeah. Dress. She had like a dress on. I thought, what are you doing? She had a dress on, and she had an old bike like Miss Marple, and yeah. she had the amount of stuff I would think that I needed if I was going to do it. But they said, to I mean, her bike. spoiler alert, and it was, tragically, she, she dies. They 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 mentioned it quite briefly, but she yeah she wasn't on the race, but she was doing that trail, and she died. They said near the end of the journey, two months yeah. later. So. It would have taken her two months to not quite finish it. Yeah. I thought, well, you know, she, she's on Miss Marple's bike on a, in a dress, and it's taken her two months. I could do I could do it at that pace, I reckon. The hardest bit looks like Kansas when it's when of those oh, crosswinds. Yeah. Oh, the crosswinds look <laughs> appalling. It's so vast and it's so flat and it's so featureless that it just drives you doolally. Like it drives you yeah. mad. There's nothing there. You just you just keep going and going and going and going. So when when you're going across that part of America for, for hundreds and thousands of miles, when there's yeah. almost nothing, yeah, it must be brutal. The the English boy who comes third, the young the young kid who has the most hilarious uh, tan line on his face from his bike helmet straps. He says right at the start when you're going through, you know, some mountain range. I can't remember which one it is. But those huge climbs, but then obviously the great downhills where you can go really quickly. He says, when I was, you know, doing those massive climbs of those mountains, I thought, well, I get to, I'll get to Kansas, and then it's flat. I can't wait for that. It'll be easy. And I get to Kansas, I'm like, no, this is much, much worse. Because it's quite a, a famous race and that's an established route, they meet lots of people on the way 
who know what they're doing and recognize what they're doing, but all just yeah. think that they're crazy. You're cycling how far? Shoot, man. Uh, 800 miles? In that whole, in that whole 4,500 miles of, of the, the U.S. trans-American cycle lane, yeah. there's only one bike shop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That's where I put my bike shop if I had a bike shop. If I was at an indie bike shop, I'd put it near there. Do you know what it made look lovely? What? what it, it made lo- eating when you're very, very hungry. Oh, do you know what? Fun. That's exactly what I, th- I thought. I could eat shitloads doing this race. Yeah. And they all eat quite badly. They eat sandwiches and loads of full-fat cook. Yeah. There's two things. If you do a lot of travelling, when you finally get in a proper bed, oh. it's the best sleep ever. Right? Yeah, Just yeah, amazing, yes. right? Yes. And the same thing... If you're absolutely starving and yes. you've worked your bollocks off, there's the one bit when he's he's just like in a McDonald's. He's in a yeah, but you can there's just complete joy on his face. And it's like when you eventually get to warm up, having been horribly cold. We were out all day in Jenner Park, and when I eventually got to sit in the car, it was absolutely fantastic because <laughs> it was minus nine. This is why, mate. This is why lockdown is being good, right? In one way. Because people cannot wait to go back to gigs, to yeah, pubs, yeah, yeah. to sports events. Yeah. You know, not just a fucking hell, when they open the pubs and the, and the stadiums again, no one's gonna be sat on their ass for the first three months watching TV, right? Yeah. They'll be out doing stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. And hopefully on a Tuesday yeah. they listen to our podcast. But I'm saying absence makes the heart grow fun. So oh, absolutely. if you're that hungry, that McDonald's must be like best food in the world. He's cycled two hundred miles. Well, I was reading L touch on it at the beginning there about my call because I, I after that, I, I, so I, I Google him after. So I do that with these docs all the time, but because they're real human interest stories, aren't they? They're not just about the sport of it. So I, he seemed like a fascinating bloke. Yeah, he died in twenty seventeen. Remember watching that race, thinking, "Christ, that's dangerous." Though you, you're knackered. You're on roads that have got no cycle lanes. You're in the middle of nowhere. There's trucks going past, hearing past you at all all hours yeah. of the night. It's so dangerous. And that one woman they speak to dies. And when I Googled him. He died three years ago in doing one of these races yeah. in Australia. You've got to really be really, really, really into it, haven't you? I know this is a daft thing to say, but it's got to be your life, isn't it? Because yeah. it's really hard. Yes. There's no real money in it, I don't think. And it's really dangerous. He said an interesting thing, though, at one stage where he said, people say to me, why don't you take your time and enjoy it a bit more? Enjoy the scenery, for instance. Oh yeah, You don't yeah, sleep yeah, yeah, yeah. for an hour a day in a bivy bag on a picnic table and get stung by a load of mosquitoes for three weeks. But he said, but if you are a racer and yeah. if you like racing, going mm. slowly doesn't mean you'll enjoy it more. It means you'll enjoy it less. I like racing and going as fast as I can. But you know what's really weird, though? Going back to that, I'm not scared of the dark, I don't believe in ghosts and all this sort of stuff, right? <laughs> no one said you were. No, but I'm just saying. <laughs> there's something. While I've been out in the middle of nowhere, the thought of doing it on my own, the, th- the thought of being yeah. up a mountain on my own in the middle of the night when it's pitch black. You don't know? I'd I love that. I wouldn't fancy that. When you haven't slept for 17 days. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I like that. I was watching that. Th- th- what? I just got on my phone. What I was thinking about that, watching that. <laughs> <laughs> what I was thinking you're, about watching You're actually that. worried about charging your phone. Yeah. Throughout this entire thing. Yeah. <clears throat> you're going to have a huge Jenkins moment. I just got Is it watching the people, also. right? Because like I said, people are people. And, and But you're, you're in part of... North America there where there are mountain lions and bears and yeah 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 you know snakes right. and bloody tarantulas and have I told you that story about the the golf course in I must have told you about the golf course in Canada have I so I was in Calgary and we were heading up 
uh, Northern Alberta to play some rugby, right? But on the way up there, there was a there was a golf course. I think it was called I think it was called Kodiak, which is like a big a big grizzly bear. It's called a Kodiak bear, right? And you get all these sort of tips to do if you're if you're in what they call bear country when you're, when you're in Canada, right? So yeah. so when you get your, your your scorecard, which all golf courses will give you when you play a round of golf, on the back is all the sort of uh, advice about bears, right? They said this is that the bears live here. This is their habitat as well. You know, we live with the bears, and they're very right on in Canada about that sort of thing. So it says um, what to do, and it says well, the thing is to to make a noise. So uh, maybe carry a whistle, maybe carry a bell. So the bell, you know, the bears know that you're there, um, and they're saying you need to know what to do if you do encounter a bear. But you need to know what sort of bear it is as well, because there's different ways of doing it. They said, um, for instance, if you see a, a brown bear, you should really try to fight back. You know, you, you should try to if you got hit it with really? hit it with well, a, they, they like a spar. Well, no, but you, you it will if you whack them on the nose or you go for their eyes, they they might back off and bugger off and do something okay, else. Cool. Right? They said, yeah, if, good. It, if it is how hard you'd feel said if, if you oh, punched yeah. a bear and it's said if it's a grizzly bear. Now this is on the advice for the course now. If it's a grizzly bear, then you you the classic is to curl up in a ball as tight as you can. You know, you cover the back of your neck with your hands. Yeah, you know, and you just hope for the best, right? Oh God! So that says those um, are two very different approaches. Well, because the, the thing with a, like a grizzly bear will easily catch you. It'll catch you on a horse. It'll catch you on horseback. I mean, they're they're fast. They've got good endurance. They'll go up a tree faster than you. I mean, you've got nowhere to go. You just really hope for the best, right? They're big fuckers as well, aren't they? Jesus Christ! Well, How do you know which yeah, bears are in the area, good, right? Yeah, how do you know which one's which? Well, this is the thing. So you, you, you best know what's in the area before you see it. Okay. They said, so the easiest way to, to work it out is by the droppings. So if you see fresh bear droppings, black bears and brown bear droppings will contain uh, pine nuts, uh, seeds. Uh, I'm not going through this Pine yet. cones, right? They said, yeah. grizzly bear droppings contain whistles and bells. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck's sake. If you want to be impressed by the limits of human endurance, it is a. I can't think of very many better documentaries. That's amazing. No, because really the, certainly the people who finish in the top ten, yeah, what they've done to themselves over the three weeks, none of them look good at the end of it. Most athletes look healthy when you meet. Them. Do you know, I, I watched that on the exercise bike, and I was going. What I was going to do, I was going to do half an hour, right? Because I'd already done like half an hour earlier in the day, and I tried to do like an hour a day, two hours on a good day, but you know, okay. I thought I'll do a half an hour, watch this. Yeah, and then when the bloke's talking about like blood coming out of his shorts, and then you just got to finish it. And I thought I can't get off now. <laughs> I'm in my living room, right? Can have a crunchy. Yeah. I'm in my living room dr- drinking a Ribena on the, on my bike. I thought I'll do the I'll do the full hour and a half. As well. <laughs> Forced to have every meal in Greg's. <laughs> All of them. I tell you, the best thing about Barry breakfast, is, dinner, and it, tea. And it's not a big place, and a lot, and a lot of the, uh, a lot of the shops in Barry have shut down since since I was a kid. Obviously, yeah. It's, it's not my hometown. I still love the place. But there's a Greg's on the high street. In yeah, Road. yeah. That's where I there's went. A, yeah, the one on Holton Road. A, well, there's a Greg's on Cardiff Road. And you're driving into Barry as well. And, and there's also further Google. on Holton Road. There's there's the um, there's a Greg's outlet. Is there? Yeah. Ooh. Well, where you get discount no, knockoff stuff. Oh, yeah. Hey, I sh- yeah. Honestly, no. <laughs> Disgusting. Exactly that. Yeah. 
Exactly like, that. Oh, we put a bit of steak in the chicken <laughs> it'll be, bake. It'll be like four <laughs> steak over there. Like four steak bakes for a pound. I hadn't had a cheat day for oh. a long time, right? Yeah. I used to have them once a week, but I can't do that anymore because I put worked on too quickly. But yeah. I had a cheat day. It'd been a couple of weeks. Went down to see Dad, check he was okay, all sorts of distance, and he's in my bubble, so don't fucking moan about stuff. You listen to us. Um, <laughs> that got aggressive quickly. <laughs> I fucking love my dad, all right? <laughs> you go fuck yourself. I fucking love the guy. And if it were people quite apart, they love their parents. I fucking love my dad. Right? I love They're my, my best dad. friends. Are they? <laughs> and he's all right. Um, <laughs> but honestly, mate, I bought like. I, I shit you know I went to the Greg's outlet by mistake I just thought it was a Greg's by mistake a, I didn't know it was an outlet oh and I bought you got t-shirts and stuff I bought a packet of those six of those yum yums like <laughs> Robert Dutton style yum yums right yes six yum yums yeah 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 six <laughs> <laughs> I said <laughs> she said what's this this is the yum yums yeah <laughs> she um, six yum yums four of those pink ice donuts Lush. Four steak bakes, two Mexican chicken baguettes. For me, my dad, the kids, and I left stuff there for my dad to have the next day. And I took stuff home as well. And it was like six quid. If you live if you live in, in Barry, you're not gonna Greg's outlet every day. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> Stop being so scared of cholesterol. <laughs> Get down there. Take some plant stanols and chill out. Yeah. When the fun stops, stop. I take stuff called cholesterase now. That's what you need to take. What's that? It's like plants. St- what's the you know the stuff that's in like uh, what's the they put in flour that lowers your cholesterol? It's just the stuff without the butter. It's just the bit that lowers your cholesterol. I t- I take them pre Greg's. <laughs> like a little straight no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like Elvis. I can just see you being addicted to prescription yeah. drugs. Oh. oh, yeah. I wish I had his physician. Dr. George Nicopoulos. That was his uh, hell of a fella. He's also Michael Jackson's physician before he died as well. <laughs> before he died young. Oh, righty. Let's do. Second round of clips for everybody. Um, Mike, I'm going to start with you. Right, I changed this at the last moment. I, I, I've apologised to Stefan now because I dropped this on you with less than an hour to go, right? Only because it, this popped up on my Facebook feed and you listen to this on Tuesday if you listen to it when it comes out, but uh, we're recording this on Friday. Tomorrow, Wales plays Scotland in Edinburgh. Obviously, COVID style with no one there. But this clip is a. This clip, I was watching this, like, it's one of those clips that just made me smile the way through it. And I thought, I've got to share this with the boys because I think it ticks all of our boxes. I don't want to preempt it. So it, it's a clip of Wales playing Scotland in 1971 at Murrayfield. It's a try. It was a 100 mile an hour game. Lots of movement, lots of mistakes. And I think, you know, with that comes excitement and tension, of course. Kicked on by John Taylor. Put it on by Barry John. Can John make it? This would be a remarkable score. So there we go. Just a quick pricey if, you know, if you're one of the, the oddballs who doesn't watch the clips, right? So let's go. Period of time. Early 1970s. Fantastic, right? Yes. Badly badly rendered Welsh flags. Check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Plain red and white scarves and plain red and white bobble hats. Check, right? Yes. Standing room only, 100,000 people, zero fire and safety regulations. Check. Pitch invasion. 100,000 people. Check. 100,000. Right? Sideburns, moustaches, fantastic rugby, right? Great singing. I mean, it, and then you got Bill McLaren talking about it. And then you, and then you got bloody Gareth Edwards talking about Bill McLaren. I thought, this just this clip is just one of the most... If you love rugby, one of the yeah. most joyous few minutes you'll ever spend in your life. Because the bit I loved about this more than anything else, and I loved all of it, was towards the end of the clip, how much Gareth Edwards loves it. And and remembers every bit of I, it. And, 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 I actually found cl- it tremendously moving this clip. Oh, hugely, yeah. For a variety of reasons, Gareth Edwards. I mean, this is 1971, so it's 50 years ago. 50 He's years ago. He's in his 70s now. You know, probably the greatest rugby player Wiz has ever produced. So the 70s is his, is his era, and I was born in yeah. 1980. So for, from for as long as I can remember, he has been on the television on BBC yeah, Wales yeah. in particular, talking about the 70s, because it's a golden yes. age. And I watched it. And when I, when I saw the title of the clip, I thought initially Mike had chosen the famous try he scores the year later in Cardiff. Yeah. You know where he, okay, he yeah. ends up yeah, and yeah. his face is covered in mud and clay. But that's obviously that's in yeah. the Arms Park. I, I don't think I'd seen this footage before, apart from the conversion well, at the had. end. And when I saw, okay, it's it's Mike's chosen five minutes of Gareth Edwards talking about a Five Nations game 50 years ago, my first thought was, I wonder, does Gareth Edwards get bored talking about this stuff? Because he says, he says at one stage, oh, people routinely stop and mm. talk to me about this. Yeah. Now it's half a century later. And do you know what? Yeah. I don't think he does. I think he fucking loves it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm glad. <laughs> and I'm glad that he's not like Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and they don't want to talk about it and the they moon. don't want to be def- and they and they don't want to be defined by it. I'm glad that he yeah. absolutely But I'm glad that he loves it. Because imagine if you were oh Gareth, hey uh, dad was at the game at the Murrayfield when you Oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah, blah blah. Everyone's dad was at that game, it was under a thousand blah blah blah. He loves it. He's got his eyes closed and he's he's in the He's moment. in a reverie, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's bloody brilliant. The other I thing really I loved about it was 100,000 people at Merrifield that That's day. crazy. What I loved about this clip was for the 100,000 people who were there that day, yeah. for 80 minutes, nothing else mattered. Because the eyes of the world are on you and you are, you are participating in an event. That's what people who, who, who might love sport but don't attend sport sometimes miss out on is you are participating. It's not just the 30 players on the pitch. You are as much a part of that process as they are. Because, yeah. as we'll see tomorrow, when the game is played behind closed doors, it's not as good. Like, I watched the Swans play Man City in the uh, FA Cup uh, day before yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, I thought we gave a good account of ourselves. Did I care as much as when we played them in the quarterfinal two years ago and the Liberty was full? No. No, if I'm honest. Oh. No, not at all. And just watching this, I mean... Also, I... I Having railed against it for years and years because it's, it's, it really does get rammed down your throat, especially in the nineties, because we were so shit. So it was, it made yeah. sense to reminisce and be very nostalgic for yeah. the seventies. Yeah, that's true. Because we were such a bad side. Now it just reminds me of my father's youth because he was at all of those yeah. matches. Well, just imagine—I mean, turning up with your mates 
And there's the, if you watch it, I watched this clip three or four times since I saw it today. The one who's got the, like the Cardiff meds, like a homemade yeah. um, banner up there. And no one gets annoyed with up. the pitch invasions as well. When people do end you've, up on the pitch, no. the, the players yeah, exactly. just like, yeah, yeah, fine. You've rocked up with your mates. Uh, and the Scots lads have done the same thing. You've paid on the game. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> paid on the game. You've gone in there. And you are literally, I mean, you're right on the touchline. You're right on the dead ball line. Yeah. And Gareth made a really interesting... Th- this is why I don't... And I've, I know I've mentioned it before. Right? This is why I don't get about modern rugby, right? Okay. It becomes so turgid to watch, right? I watched that game last week. Um, and I was... I was going to say I was pleased that we won. I didn't... I would. I know this sounds trite. I would rather have lost and it be entertaining. And there's a bit there where Gareth, because you've got to think, why are you playing sport, right? Obviously, you play to enjoy it. Yeah. And why am I going to watch sport to be part of, like Al said, of an experience? And sometimes it is all about the result, right? There's a bit there where Gareth Edwards says, um, "We made a lot of mistakes that game." Yeah. But mistakes are exciting, and they bring tension. Right? Because you watch some of those tries. There's a bit there where they've got a penalty inside the Scottish half near the centre of the field, right? So it's a very kickable penalty. You've got John Taylor's who's a good goal kicker, right? But they tap and go from there, right? I think that would never happen now. I know it's different with the lineups because you would have given them the lineup in those days, right? And yeah. now we'd get possession with the lineup. But just to see that tap, they run for everywhere. The, 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 the lineups, even though they were a bit of a, more of a free for all, it was just a, a very quick way of getting the ball and getting the ball out, right? But watching, like, JPR throw a dummy and come off his foot, Gareth Edwards throw a dummy, Barry John, dummy, dummy, you know, and then he... It was such an entertaining game to watch. And hmm. Wales won it in 1918, right? But I really don't think it would have made it... Looking back at it now, it would have made a world of difference if we'd lost in 1918. It still would have been a fabulous game of rugby. Hmm. There would have been great tries. There would have been... Mm-hmm. It would have been a great crack on the day. There's more important things than finishing top of a tape for me right for rugby for the way that rugby yeah, yeah, is yeah. I just yeah. want rugby to be fun to watch again the thing with 70s and 80s rugby and I've watched more of it over the last year because of this podcast than I have done probably in the previous 20 and we used to joke at the start of this podcast I'm, I'm I was obsessed with rugby between sort of 1988 and 1989 yeah but I now watch a lot of like merit table stuff from the 80s on YouTube because I'm, yeah. I'm going to choose some of it for this. The thing I can never get over, it's the same amount of players on the pitch. The laws of the game haven't changed enormously. Mm. Everyone seems to have so much more space more, yeah, and time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how how is that? Well, I talked about this with my dad the other day, right? And it was the same for years and years. It was the same when my dad was in grammar school. It was the same when I was in comprehensive, right? I can remember almost every rugby season from the age of 10 to the age of 14, 15, the first couple of sessions of, the, of a new season was split to forwards and backs. And forwards would do a mall drill, right? First person in, turn round, present the ball. Yes. Next person in, secure the ball. Yes. Third and fourth person in, bind and come over the top. So you'd end up with like a six-person mall, right? And that was the way that that's what happened in contact. You didn't go down. Tempting the ball. Yeah. yeah. You had a yeah. six-person ball. You worked the ball to the back of it. But what that does is it takes, you know, six people out of the defensive line as well. So yeah. you end up with backs against backs. Where yeah. now, you go into contact, you go down. You go down. You put one man in as a marker. Yeah. And suddenly you've got 
Blokes are bigger anyway. You've now got five or six extra blokes in the defensive line that weren't there 30 years ago. Yeah. Like, when I watched that game on the footage, which I don't think I'd seen, the pitch looks massive. Yeah. It does, doesn't it? It yeah. looks yeah. massive. And the players yeah. look small. It looks like kids yeah. playing on a big pitch. The, the ball that Gareth puts out is always flat. Barry John was taking that ball, you know, right in front of him, perfect pass, right? Yeah. So the skills are good. You watch JPR's side step was good. Barry John's side step was good. Gareth yeah. Edwards' delivery is bang on, right? So the skills are there, but you, like you said, you've got more space because you've got forwards tied up doing forward stuff. That's, do you know what? That's what it, it's... I've needed you to clarify this, but yeah, when all of the forwards are on the floor, it is then backs versus backs. Yeah, and yeah. that's seven that's, against seven. That's a really exciting thing to watch on a full yeah. on a full size pitch. What you'd see now is you'd have Gareth. Yeah, you'd have Barry be much closer behind Barry John would be two forwards on either shoulder. Yeah, and they're getting the ball. They're going to take it in. Bang. Yeah, set up another ruck. Put two more fours outside Barry John. Bang, they'll take it in. They might run a dummy line and you do something. When rugby got boring in, in the back of the day, they changed it. Almost yeah. immediately, for the better. Like we all about that one game where 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 Wales had... Well, how many oh, line-ups it's 118 lineups, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So within a season or two, they went, well, okay, we'll change that. But all the changes at the moment seem to be geared around, you know, big, powerful blokes and women. You know, running in straight lines. I don't want to see that. What I think is so exciting about watching 70s and 80s rugby at its best, obviously there are boring games in the 70s and 80s, but the stuff that's on the videos that I used to have as a kid, it is talented people acting spontaneously in the moment and making the correct decision, which is someone who is... And have the skills to make Yeah, to yeah, absolutely. That, and as, as, a, as a spectator and a shit sports, sportsman who, who would be unable to do that, it is, but but it is. It's it's thrilling to watch that, to watch yeah. Phil Bennett make a split second decision and always make the right one, and then score off the back of it. I love that bit in there when Gareth talking about um, well they are they, either just down or just up, and and John Dawes says because there was no stadium clocks in those days either. There was yeah, no timing, yeah, yeah. right? You couldn't see the time. John Dawes said to him, no, "I've had a chat with the ref. We we got still got ten minutes left." He said, and we all believed it. <laughs> we, we did. We had like a minute left, you know. But it meant we didn't panic. Yeah, we didn't panic. We just played our game. I loved how much Gareth loved it and loved talking about it. And there's a bit there where right at the end, and Eddie Butler's a hell of a nice fellow, right? I've only met him a couple of times, but he's a great su- such a nice bloke. And I think, well, there's a man who played for Wales, Captain Ponypool, Captain Wales, I think, half a dozen times, right? Yeah, he did, yeah. He was like a kid himself. And he said, I've got goose pimples. Yeah, yeah, yeah watching that game and listening. And he, and he was so thrilled to be talking to Gareth Edwards and seeing how much yeah. Gareth enjoyed it. Yeah. And that made me, that just knocked it up another couple of levels then because I know that Eddie's a lovely bloke who's seen a ton of rugby. I would have been there this year. I'd love the Scotland yeah. trip. Out of interest, yeah, the best. of all the trips, Italy, France, Twickenham, Ireland and Scotland, which, which is the best one? I've never, I've never been to a Six Nations game. No. Yeah. Right, next year. Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. I've been to watch. Um, oh, we're, do you know what? We're Ireland away next year as well. We'll do Ireland next year. Let's do that. If Gordon Darcy's listening, we'll see you in I was going to say, Gordon. if Gordon Darcy and Peter Stringer are listening, oh, yeah. we'll come over, yeah? 100%. I do love, we'll come I and do have love some Edinburgh. Fun. 
What a sport. Edinburgh is a great... Scotland's a great crack. It is a great fun trip. The one I don't... <laughs> fun, the one Dad used to go to was Twickenham the most. I think it's because it's probably the easiest to... I've already done it once. I didn't... I don't think... I, I don't fancy Twickenham if I'm It's all right. Tell you, tell you what is good is going to London Welsh yes. and watching it there yes. in their massive tent out the back. Oh, I tell yeah. you what's even better. That's it's more going, fun than going to It's going to London Welsh with your mate Tom. Yes. You can go in there for 30 years. And you go in the Bowls Club at London Welsh. Ooh. Where the old dears there make you a nice meal and you watch the game on the TV in the Bowls Club. Beautiful. And then you go in the tent afterwards after you've got a nice, nice. meal. Nice. Yeah. But no, Edinburgh is your archetypal fun Such weekend away. Dublin's a, great a laugh. place for a piss up, Edinburgh. I got in a scrap last time I was there <laughs> for the uh, Scotland game. We did see the game. We had a great crack. We came back into town. Got on, the, on the, that pissed up bus. Everyone comes on back into town, right? Yeah. It was it was amazing. We were down by the Cowgate Al, right? Oh, we're yeah, all yeah. Down there yeah. having a drink. All going to, all like t- 10 or 12 of us, right? As we get to this one little uh, tunnel there, there's a fella playing Baker Street. By no, he wasn't playing Baker Street, but he's playing the saxophone. That was what it was. Right. So I said to him, and Jerry, if I hadn't long passed away, I went, do you know, Be- do you know Baker Street, pal? He went, yeah, yeah. I said, I said, play Baker Street. So we, and we gave him like a, I think we gave him like a five or a ten or right, to do Baker Street. Brilliant. Only me and my mate Steve T Bone, right? Everyone else bugged off. Mm-hmm. So after we finished Baker Street, lovely. When the pub, they wouldn't let us in. So all the other Barry boys are in there. We can't get in, right? What are we going to do now? So we end up going to one of the big. What's the big pub? L. Um, is it the Queens? Well, they do they do comedy during the festival as well. And there's a big outdoor courtyard there, and there was a huge beer garden there. And we could get in there, right? Sort of, there was an outdoor bar. We, we'll have a beer outdoors. We'll work our way in, right? Which is what we did. But it was like, so there's only me and him left. And Steve was like 55. I was 45. There were all, all the other boys who were missing in action. So we get to the bar inside now. And it is absolutely rammed in there, right? Obviously, right? Everyone's yeah. pissed and everyone's pushing and shoving, right? Yeah. So this one fellow next to me, this Scottish lad, big fucker, about six foot three, right? Keeps spilling beer over me, which happens, right? I'm not, yeah. I'm not one of these pricks, especially on an international day. But he's he's dancing around with his beer over his head, and it's just going all over me all the time, right? And he's talking to these girls. So all I did was very quietly, right? I reached up, grabbed his pint, and put it like between my legs on the floor, where there's a bit of space, right? I thought when he's finished talking to this girl, I'll give him his pint back, and I won't get soaked, right? That was the, that was my thinking. Right? Very reasonable so far. I was going to say, yeah, very reasonable so far. Yeah. He then turns around and goes. Uh, he accused me of, of nicking his pint. There. I said, mate, I said he pints on the floor. Pint. Yeah, yeah. I, said, I was just getting soaked. He didn't stop me fucking, mate. I said, oh, fucking, there we go. I said, no, I didn't. Right. So with that, he swings for me now, this bloke. Right? Yeah. But there's no, there's no real room to swing. <laughs> it's like this sort of slow motion punch game. I sort of moved out of the way. Of it. Yeah. But then it was, it was lovely. It was proper old school. I grabbed the back of his, because he was taller than me. I thought I need to even this out. I managed to sort of grab the back of his shirt and put it over his yes. neck. Ice hockey style. Cuddled him. No. I gave him a lovely, <laughs> proper like ice hockey style uppercut about three or four times. Right? Told him the good news. <laughs> <laughs> but next thing, it was like a Burt Reynolds film. It was brilliant. There was, it all kicked off, yes. right? But, it, but, but not, there was no glasses. It was all horrible plastic cuts. Pub where there's no room to fight and it all goes off. Oh, it's magic. <laughs> it was like the Matrix. All sort of moving yes. in, 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 You know what I mean? <laughs> So with that, though, I get I get dragged up with a bouncer. So I got I get grabbed up with a dragged up with a throat. Come back, sir! What a successful podcaster! <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't need trouble. I don't need trouble. I don't. 
My voice is my mortgage, please. I'm going for a successful podcast. <laughs> I got wife and children. <laughs> Dragged me out onto the street, right? <laughs> and left me there. So, oh, shit. Right? Literally, like, ten seconds later. No, no sign of Steve. Steve's... I don't know where Steve's gone. He was, he was last seen getting lamped by some big Scottish bloke, right? So I stood there. With that now, the Scottish bloke I've just had a fight with comes out. He's been kicked out as well. Yeah. His nose is bleeding and he's with about five mates. I thought, oh, shit. <laughs> and he looks over, clocks me, right? I think I'll, I'll, have, I'll have to front this out now. He looked over and I looked at him and I sort of winked at him, right? Yeah. He started laughing, right? Thank you, fuck. Right? <laughs> he walks over and goes, I fucking love the Welsh man. <laughs> 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 so, so me and him <laughs> me and him are having a cutch now proper like a little cuddle me and him and his mates are having a chat with his mates and everything else right? and they all fuck off then so we all sort of shake hands no hard feelings and then Steve I guess Steve kicking off right he, they drag Steve out and he's ex second row like a big lad right he's like where are they Bubba I'm gonna fucking kill him Bubba I said no it's I said, fine I said, I said it's all sorts of me he was a nice, nice fella actually I was like, chat with all of them so, but Steve's nose looks like he's gone about 12 rounds with Ali. Like, his nose is gone. He's bleeding out of his nose. He's cut his eyes. He's bleeding out of his eyes. He's all over his shirt. Shit. <laughs> right, being right. I look like Sugar A. Leonard, isn't I? <laughs> and he's incensed now. He's really pissed off. And we're trying to walk back to the train to get the train back to North Berwick. We stayed in North Berwick. We're trying to go back to Waverley Station. Yeah. And he's still tapping. He's like virtually like ventilating, right? When we get about 100 yards to the train station, his shoulders start going like in... Like Scooby Doo, he starts laughing. I said, "You're right." He went. He goes, "Fucking hell, Bubba." He goes, <laughs> "He goes, I haven't had a fucking scrap since about 1997." <laughs> <laughs> and he just thoroughly enjoyed himself. We both, we both got on the train. We both got on the train to North Berwick. There's a carriage full of people. I start singing Elvis songs. We've got the whole carriage singing Elvis songs. Oh, what a mic that was. Which kind of leads nicely into my clip, um, which is a couple of Scottish internationals. Oh, this is fucking brilliant. Pardon my French. At the Celtic Manor after a day of playing some good golf. Very, very pissed. So Stuart Hogg and Greg Laidlaw. In the background is Ronan Keating. Just yeah. waving at the camera. And they're singing Callan Lark. Press play, just press play. I'll be here now in a minute now. Yeah, yeah. I'll be there now in a minute now. Have you pressed play? Yeah, it's So, these boys are both on a Lions tour. Part of the warm-up for that Lions tour 
was a few guys who I know who are part of a choir going up to the um, Vela Glamorgan Hotel where they were all staying for their sort of initial training sessions and teaching them songs. Oh, is that so, a, like, yeah. We couldn't work out. My, Kelly's going, well, how do they know us? I don't know. They must have been on a Lions tour and learned off the boys. I don't know. So they've gone up there. They've been invited up by the Lions to sing the songs of the four nations and teach it to the players who oh, don't know it so that they all get a bit of a familiar bond, you know, around Irish folk songs, around Scottish songs, around English songs. Brilliant. And they chose Callum Lan as the Welsh song. Well, mate, I've heard plenty of Welsh people not sing it as well as these two lads. Amazing work, both these boys. It's, oh, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, 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 they do a very good job. Hog, Hoggies is brilliant. Somebody comes in then at the end and starts doing the doing the harmony as well. I say, I assumed I assumed that they'd been taught it by someone on a Lions tour. So yeah. I was the, yeah. watching it. I thought, oh, that's nice. I thought maybe Ken Owens is a Welsh speaker. I thought maybe he taught them it or something. That's what I like, though, is that sort of camaraderie. And then, you know, they teach them the songs and then they go on the tour and then they have that, you have choir practice as part of their social. Lovely. Callum Lan. Well, the football fans have started singing that now at the Cardiff City Stadium in the Canton Stand, which I'd, yeah. I'd n- not heard in 30 years of going to Wales games. I mean, the singing at Welsh football matches now is better than it's ever been. And it is, it's the traditional songs, stuff like Callan Lan and the anthem. And it is, isn't it's, it? It's brilliant. In the last couple of years, they've talked about, you know, how much sense does a, does a British Lions tour make these days? Oh, I don't care how much sense it makes. I, I love the British. I less. I love if you If you're trying to... You know, you just don't get rugby and you don't get sport if you think it's always got to make sense, right? I just think it's such a special thing. Like you said, said that. Yeah. You know, and you have to acknowledge the traditions of your sport. And if you're a rugby player, certainly, in, you know, in these, in Ireland and, and Great Britain and Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. that's, that is that's the ultimate view, isn't it? The Lions is. It's the kind of thing you would discuss in a pub. Actually, yes, turned yes. into real life. It's it's a dream team, yeah. isn't it? It's like uh, when I was younger, I used to argue with my friends who's better: is it Lineker or Rush? Yeah, and is it Southall or Shilton? Yes. Well, someone who knows what they're talking about decides. Yeah, you might plausibly. I don't know what the record would be. Have in the seventy say ten Welsh well Welsh players, hmm. but the five from the other countries you bring in. Yeah. Are so good in their positions. Yes. You think this is yeah. good, this is mouthwatering. Yeah. It's an interesting one, the British Lions, because of where I grew up. I know an awful lot of Welsh nationalists who cannot support the Lions. Really? I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a lot of. Wow. I know a lot of people who just simply cannot support a oh British team. But yeah, um, I suppose because it's British and Irish, I never really saw it that way. Yeah, I mean they've only recently really started calling it. The they've British only recently and started calling it, but they've always had Irish players in there from south of the yeah, border. Yeah, yeah. Lots and lots of people I knew growing up um, didn't support the Lions for that reason. I would support the Lions mainly because first tour I remember eighty nine, the tour of Australia. Yeah, Jan was in that team, and he had grown up on Mangi Street in Cumfrood. So nowadays, there'd be you know it's in two thousand one. Say it would have been Stephen Jones, who was three years above me at school. Ken Owens, obviously in the in the, in the on the last tour, who was very close to my sister and sister's class. So the reason I would support the Lions is it, it, it's so counterintuitive 
to support a bunch of Australians who I will never meet against players who, who I literally have met, who I know. I've never thought of it that way, because I've never thought... When Jerry Guscott's popping over the drop goal against Australia in 89, or the one against... Um, South Africa and in Young Mick and David Campisi look so stupid. Yeah, but mm. that's what I remember. I would always that, support. So. Yeah, yeah, but I never felt. Oh, that's an English guy doing a drop goal. No, it was always yes. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't fancy uh, going out with the Lions though. Oh, I, I don't oh, really I fancy I standing next to some bloke who's Hang on, well, dressed, let's, let's dressed not, like he's on the Crusades. Let's not. Uh, let's not yeah. piss our chips here. We could get a nice little tour out of this. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. It's also thrilling when you see somebody doing something better than people from your country do it, that, that it's to do with your country. You know, what I'm trying to say there is, so when you see two Scots people singing yeah. Come On Land, like when I lived in uh, Canada, if I would do the Canadian National Anthem in French with my Canadian friends there, it would bl- blow their socks off that the yeah. Welsh bloke was singing the Canadian version of their anthem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you see two Scottish fellas singing Come On Land oh. really well, yes. I love that. Because... It's uh, it's a show, it's a display of cultural respect. It is respect, yeah, exactly. that's exactly it's what like it is. By my mate, Guion, Guion Harding, who I go to watch Where's Away Games with, he is superb in a pub in another country because he will always learn please and thank you and other stuff like on the flight over. Yeah. And he will always try and begin and end a conversation with the with the, the barman or whoever's yeah. working by the bar in their language. And we were in Moldova, and I just could not get it. I just could Thank you. I just couldn't. And, you know, I'm trying my best. But, but out at the Euros with Guion as well, you know, he would call bar, barman like, oh, my friend, my friend, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. they love it because it is a show of respect. Yeah. I know, sound it, like I'm taking the piss far, when I do it. But it's far more respectful than... <laughs> Oi, you, I mate. would like you, you, a p- yeah. pint of beer before I smash your bar up, you fucking French cat. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that trigger happy TV yes. sketch? Yes. I'm going to smash your bar up, you stupid French But yeah, it's watching other people... I'm watching other people uh, singing Welsh who aren't Welsh. Yeah, that is, just is fabulous. cheered me up straight away. Oh yeah, I love that sort of thing. But yeah, respect is exactly what it is, isn't it? And I get prickly about the opposite of that, then you know, which I, I don't normally get like that. But if if I perceive it as a, a slight, but if I if I perceive a slight on Wales, yeah, you're like wait, well, just. Guess my dander up as you say over here, isn't it? It just you, you can think what you like. If you don't, if you don't like Wales or the Welsh, or you think we're all a bunch of sheep shaggers, yeah, then by all means think that. I can't stop you. Th- I'm, not, I'm not thought police, but don't feel the need to tell me, mate. It just you just sound like a <laughs> fucking knob. Yeah, it's a weird thing to do as well. Why would you want to do that? Imagine if I fucking hate the Welsh. Well, well done. Oh, great. Enjoy your day. Go go and tell your other mates who also hate the Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> What are you telling the Welsh for? <laughs> Imagine if I'd, at the Euros, if I'd gone up to some f- French bloke in Toulouse, put my arm round his shoulder and said, you like garlic, didn't you? And <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Just going those stupid stereotypes. Yeah. yeah. Frogs, legs and snails, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> oh, dear. Go on, Al, what's your clip for this round, mate? This is another great example of Wales's fabulous record against Belgium. This is Wales 3, 
Belgium won from October 1990. Sur cette passe de Sanders. This was the first game of the qualifying campaign for Euro 92, uh, a qualifying campaign that ended in... Not qualifying. ...but glorious failure. We came so close. The reason I've chosen this, rather than the far more famous win against Germany uh, in the June of 91, seven or eight months later, was that this is my first exposure to the Welsh national team. So I'd... I, I already liked football. Uh, sat down to watch the 88 FA Cup final, but got a bit bored, especially when Liverpool went 1-0 down when I went to play. 89, I watched every second of it. Italian 90 just lapped it up. But because Dad's such a rugby man, and he's not particularly interested in football, and also there was far less coverage of the Welsh national team, I don't think I realised Wales had a team. And then I was watching Wales Today, we used to have our team in front of Wales Today, and Bob Humphreys came on very, very excited because Belgium were a really good side. They'd lost to England, very, very narrow defeat to England, the David Platt last-minute volley Yeah, yeah. in the uh, last 16 of Italian 90. And they had some great players, that Belgium team, Enzo Schifo being the standout. What a footballer he was. So Bob Humphreys came on the telly, and they used to do little... Trails and teases if there was a big story, you know, before they go into the main stories. And uh, Bob Humphreys will be covering uh, a great victory for Wales last night at the National Stadium. So I thought, oh, bloody hell, wow. I hadn't realised, I knew that Ian Rush was Welsh, I think I knew Mark Hughes was Welsh, and I probably knew Dean Saunders was Welsh, but I hadn't put it all together that they would play for a Welsh team. It was the first game, it was only the second game at the National Stadium, because before that, games were um, played. It was spread out between the Vetchfield and Swansea and the Park in Cardiff and the racecourse in Wrexham. It was the first game in an Umbro kit, which just looked brilliant and looked the part. So I got that kit for my birthday two weeks later, for yeah. my 10th birthday. And the reason I love this clip, but I watch it quite a lot, is that I think if I hadn't seen it, I'd be a completely different person because I just got completely mm. hooked to the Welsh national team. Then. Do you know what, mate? Watching this clip, and I wasn't into football at that time at all, right? I, you, and I think you've mentioned this before. I can't believe how good that oh, yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, how many yeah. good players yeah, were there? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that they didn't go to major championships is mind well, blowing, really. The really sad thing is that this is a qualifying campaign for Euro 92. So we start off by beating Belgium, who'd been at the World Cup 3 1, convincingly. We get a good win away at Luxembourg. So that's six points from a possible six. Very creditable draw out in Brussels, one all. So we still haven't lost. So now we play the Germans, the West, the world champions, West Germany in Cardiff. It's only the third game, I think, at the National Stadium. It's sellout. And we beat them 1-0. First time they've lost since Italian 90. First time they've lost as world champions. Well, the thing that I find <laughs> so unfair is that the Euros in 1992 was an eight-team tournament. Yeah. So it was almost impossible to qualify. One of the countries, obviously, is hosting. So there's yeah. seven spots up for grabs. So now we still haven't lost. We've beaten the Germans. 
so that we beat Luxembourg. Now we've got to beat... Well, we've got to have a, a good result out in Nuremberg, and we got stuff for one, and that was that. So yeah. Germany topped the group. Wales comes second, and we don't qualify. Now, Euro 96, the next Euros was a 16-team tournament. Jesus Christ, until 1980, it was a four-team tournament. The reason I love this clip is that I think there's not a sports fan on earth who, if you said, OK, what was, what's the first game you remember? What's the first game that, make you, that made you stand up and take notice? Yeah. You'd know it. Yes. You definitely know it. You remember the first fixture you're taken to. Yes. You remember the first big game you might watch on television. Because it is yeah. just the stuff that sticks. Because at that age, you're so open to new stuff. The first time the sport filters into your consciousness. Do you know what I mean? Whether that's football, rugby, athletics, whatever it is. You know, it'll always be Steve Cram running in my head. Yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. Of athletics. Always. Just in the yeah. yellow vest. I don't know why, but that will always be athletics in my head. Yeah. Rugby will always be in England. No, it would be the Paul Thorburn kick against Scotland. Yeah, in 86. It's the first thing yeah, I remember yeah. about that. And football-wise, 86 FA Cup final. Always going to be in my head. Liverpool-Everton. Yeah. We're talking about kits the last few, well, last few weeks. But that Cardiff rugby club, blue and black kit, I think Macron are going to bring out a version Yeah, they are, of yeah, now. yeah. That was rugby. It was it was going going to see a Swepsh Cup final, going to see Cardiff and Terry Holmes in that in yeah, that blue yeah. and black shirt. You know what I mean? That was my first club rugby. Yeah. And then Wales would have been being in the East Terrace juvenile enclosure when I was like eleven years of age watching Wales yeah. play football. I went to see Cardiff City against QPR when I was like probably ten years of age. But then internationals, I went to see Millennium Stadium and I went to see him at Cardiff City Stadium. It's about be in places and doing yeah, stuff yeah. And, go, and going there, isn't it? It's about and you, you, you don't get the best view. You don't get to see the replays. You don't get the but you're there. Yeah. You're part. No, of that's it. the thing. I think the first game I took my kids to see of any sport was Wales against Georgia at the Cardiff City Stadium, and Bale scored within oh, about scored... ten minutes of them watching any sport. Yeah, and you just yeah, think, yeah. oh, that's sticking with you. He is. The FAW was formed in 1876. He is the greatest Welsh footballer of all time. So they've seen him and they've seen him score. Yeah, exactly. And that's like, you know, there are Northern Irish people who saw George Best score at Windsor Park in 1970. Yeah. And they'll still be going on about it. When you're 10, you know, it's before, it's before you're interested in, you know, girls and all that kind of stuff. Dream on. You're talking <laughs> to Mike here. But you're... No. You just throw yourself into your passions because you're 10 because there's nothing else. Yes. Yeah, 2018. <laughs> so I then became obsessed with football. You know, as sad as this is, once you're 40, you, you cannot develop a passion that is that all-consuming because you have a job and you have a family yeah. and you have other mm. life has got in the way. Yeah. It's interesting watching it through my eight-year-old's eyes because he's obsessed with football. And he'll be like, did you see that goal by such and such? And I'm like, I've got a fucking job. <laughs> yeah. Watching <laughs> of River Plate. Of course I haven't seen it. Versus So have a look at this penalty from the world to the Club World Cup. So it's not a real competition. <laughs> and he's like, I'm eight. It's not a real thing. Just don't, don't get obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> you think about like games where you've just been too busy to go recently. Oh, don't. And, and now yeah, you yeah, think, yeah. 
piss-ups when you were too tired and you could yeah. be asked. Well, mate, yeah. but I don't, I don't want to get morose, right? But my when I mentioned my friend Craig who passed away earlier on the podcast, yeah. right? One of the early episodes. I've been saying, and he's been, he was saying, for the last 10 years, it's been too long, mate. We've got to meet up there this summer, this summer, yeah, this yeah. summer, this summer, this summer. And and life gets in the way, doesn't it? Without, <laughs> not, not, not in the way that you saw yourself, yeah. Mel. You know, but you know what I mean? It does... You, there's always other things. Are, are you, and you sort of, and as you, when you're an adult, and you've got kids and you've got a family, it's very, very easy not to do something. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. You, yes, that's true. You got, le- you got, you got a legitimate excuse not to do things. Yeah. Right. I remember, I saw like Oprah Winfrey once years ago. That's a weird reference <laughs> to me. Kind of It might have been Ricky Lake. When she lost a load of weight, yeah. and she was training, and she's, you know. But she said, well, I can think of a million reasons every day not to train. But it's true. Like, I, I can, when you're an adult and you've got responsibilities and you've got kids and you've got a mortgage and you've got a, you've got a job, yeah. right? I could have gone to Toronto and seen Craig before he died, right? He could have come to Cardiff and seen me, right? But we didn't do that. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah. There was always a, you know, it, it was convenient and easy to make excuses not to do so. Yeah. And I'm hoping that this fucking pandemic we've had for the past year brings things into sharp focus where you know if you get a chance to do something that you're gonna I've, I've never gone somewhere on the on at the last minute and thought shit I wish I hadn't done that yeah yeah I've always had a great time I've always had a story come out of it that's come out of it and yeah fine. yeah I mean much lesser scale than what you're talking about there but I nearly convinced myself out of going to watch Wales Belgium in the Euros why? Afford it well because I couldn't afford it. And oh right! It was like you know, it's it's just a daft idea. I did. I don't really need to go. You know. Yeah. And then I thought, no, I'll just go. Yeah. So yeah, the next time there is a ticket going, I'm going. I said to Kelly Gerrig, I'm saying yes to everything until <laughs> shit's finished. Not three sims. The other thing, especially when you have children, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hangovers <laughs> are hard. Yes. Because they don't let yeah. you indulge it. A hangover, yeah. and yeah. being tired is hard, mm. and they don't care that you've had the night of your life, night of a lifetime, because you know you've you've where they've been badging the court final. They still need breakfast yeah. at seven fifty a.m. When people say to me, "Well, the quantum leap stuff, or the how many lives you've had," yeah. it's only it's only because for the first thirty plus years of my life, if I had a chance to do something, I just said yes. To yeah, it. yeah, yeah. In my, if it's going to live in Canada for six months, I say yes. If it's do you want to come to Switzerland for a couple of months and teach in a school, yeah. No, do you, and I don't care if I sleep on a sofa or sleep on someone's spare bed or I don't care if I haven't got any money. I'm just going to say yes and do it. Yeah. If you want to build a bar, do it. If you want to go to fucking Spain, do it. If you want to go and play golf with your mates for the weekend, do it. If you want to go to bloody Ibiza with the girls, do it. Just do, just do it, innit? I don't want to go to Ibiza with the girls. <laughs> <laughs> If you did, do okay. it. Yeah, but don't be an arsehole. Be nice to people and look after your family. But just yeah, yeah, really, yeah. You know, think of like you can do like a thousand. Well, that's a golden rule. Yeah, Try not to be an arsehole. Five to people. rules. Yeah. Go, number one: don't be an arsehole to people. Go to Ibiza with the girls. Don't, don't shag a waiter, but just have a nice <laughs> <time>. <laughs> no. If you're single, shag a waiter. Whatever. Okay. Do tip him afterwards. <laughs> well, you're a, yeah. Well, if your husband's a dick, well, I don't know. Your choice. 
Wear a condom, that's all. <laughs> At least. Do you know, I went to watch, when I was on Radio X, the show started at one. Yeah. Uh, Are you shagging a waiter at 5-2? No, but like, Wales were playing Ireland in Dublin. Mm. I must have been on a Friday night, because I flew back, and I got to the studio about half an hour before we were yes. on air. If the flight had been cancelled, John would have done the exact. show on his own. And I... You know, I've been on the piss all night. I did the show with a splitting Great. headache. Perfect. Anyway, uh, it's one thirty-nine. Here's the Foo Fighters. Here's the Foo Fighters again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Sky's the Neighbourhood by Foo Fighters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Time for some Kings of Leon here on Radio Wings. John would wind me up and I would snap at him <laughs> to, to shut up. Because I had a headache and I didn't want to be there. Brilliant. <laughs> what? What? Yes. Yes. You've got a headache, guys. Yes. Just play some Kasabian for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Book round now, isn't it? It is the book round now. I'm What's the matter? Books. You haven't got any books. I mean, I've got books. What um, books you got? What? But what's the first book you can see? I'll tell you what the first book I can see is. I got you, Alice. What's the first book, book you can see? Is. Oh, I got a good book actually. Wow. But Go I'm not on. sure I've done it already. <laughs> <laughs> first, the first book. I don't think I have. I think first I might book have done. I can see. Secret Sins, Sex, Violence and Society in Carmarthenshire, 1870 to 1920, by Russell Davis. Okay, oh. there was none. <laughs> Sex and Violence <laughs> in Carmarthenshire. So the world's shortest book, is it? Zero things happened. I'll do that book, it'll take me two seconds. <laughs> well, here we go, El, do you want to, i tell you what, mate. In this history of, you know, in the very much the vein of living life on the edge and just saying yes to stuff... Yes. Do you want to do my book this week? Go on then. What do you mean? See the pants stuff, Steph. I'll do yours next week, Al. Find, find us a nice passage from your sex book. I'm, I'm trying to find something nice and salacious from Secret Sins, Sex, Violence and Society in Carmarthenshire, 1870 to 1920. Come on, I'll read my book, will you? <laughs> the tin platters of Llanelli certainly had plenty of opportunities to drink. In 1896, Lely Temperance Campaigners produced a map to show that there were no fewer than 45 public houses and 11 licensed premises within 225 yards of Llanelli Church. 45 pubs in 200 yards? Bloody hell. Wow. In all, Llanelli had a ratio of one public house per 179 people. One pub per 179 people. In Swansea, the ratio was... Now, bear in mind, bear in mind that three quarters of those people aren't (laughs) drinking. They're going to be kids. Yeah, they're going to be really religious. In Swansea, the ratio was 1 to 224. Newport, 1 to 304. In Cardiff, 1 to 477. And in Liverpool, it was 1 to 319. Temperance campaigners noted with concern that the number of public houses had risen from 143 in 1898 to 241 in Llandavri, Llangadog and Llandeilo were also amply endowed with palaces of drink. Palaces of drink. Can I just check, is there, just because that is my book choice for this week, Al, 
Is there any sport in that? Is it is it a is it very um, sporting? No. Um, oh, you like this? The claustrophobia of many of the smaller public houses led to quarrels and violence. Arguments it, could be. Right. Which is arguments could be over virtually anything: the quality of the beer, the attentions of a young lady, uh, Cronje's ability as a commander in the Boer War. Words led sports <laughs> led to blows. Oaths led to fisticuffs, and the fighting spilled into the street. Oh, For many, yes. fighting was less a go deliberate act of transgression. What was the what was, what was, Go back to the Boer War. Well, that's what people would fight about in. Small That's pub. what they fight over in the pub. What's his name uh, again? Cron Cronje, C R O N J E. Listen, here we go. Cronje. For many. Cronje. I will not have Cronje's name <laughs> bandied around this podcast. Uh, for many, fighting was less a deliberate act of transgression than a manifestation of a code of behaviour which was physical. Husbands fought wives and lovers, and rivals fought with the violence of complete strangers. It is easy to understand the terror felt by the respectable people of Mill Street, Carmarthen, and the new dock district of Llanelli at these regular weekly fights, but the noise, shouting, and broken furniture resembled a cultural performance. What was, what, what was my book? What did I pick? What did I pick? Mike's choice for this week, as delivered by Ellis, is Secret Sins, Sex, Violence, and Society in Carmarthenshire, 1870 to 1920. By Russell Davis, a remarkable yeah. book. I think they jumped Sunday the shark a little bit this week on the podcast. I, I, I'm all for the fun that they have, but <laughs> yeah. there wasn't actually a sports book uh, chosen <laughs> by my. Uh, uh, I've, I've really <laughs> gone off those guys. Sport at all in there it. was Fuck distinct off. audio bleed. There's a, there's a lot about sanitation, yeah. but I don't think there's much about sport. Well, I can grab a sport. I'm in the bar. I can grab one. No, I just haven't got one with it's me. done now. It's fine. I don't want to shoehorn something in, Mike. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That'd be awful. <laughs> That's not what we're here for. You don't need to sport into this I podcast. I force it. It's either there or it's not. Well, have I done the, di- um, have I done the dynasty? I've done that, haven't I? The uh, Patriots yeah. one. Yeah, you've done that, yeah. yeah. I'm sure, okay. Uh, we could do it again, well, it, but it feels feels futile. It's just I finished it now. Was it good? Yeah. Cool, buy it. <laughs> there we go. That's the book done for this there week. We yeah, it's by Re- Jeff. Refer back. Still by Jeff Benedict. <laughs> it's still by him. <laughs> the rest of it was by him as well. <laughs> he did all of it, and it was all good. It, it was all nice. <laughs> there we are. Right, live show. Yes, is on the twenty-first of February, twenty twenty-one, at eight p.m. GMT. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight pound for a ticket. One pound of that goes to My Name's Doddy's Foundation. You can buy tickets from the first link that's on your phone, dice.fm, if that is too confusing for you to find the link. You're also paying, I suppose, for you know a year's worth of two hours of podcast every week. I mean, that's certainly a good way of looking at it, is mm. you're paying £8 back. For the 100 hours of podcast. Got to give something back, guys. Got to give something back. I think you should... Uh... <laughs> Keep a little bit back to us. (laughs) The podcast that likes to say yes. Podcast that likes to say pay us. Just say yes. 